All right, we're uh, counting down the hits until we get to the shortest day of the year, which may, in fact, be tomorrow. Uh, we'll fill it in with good health and good tidings. The Robert Scott Bell Show is about to begin uh, December 20th, 2023. For those of you listening or watching online live, uh, say hello in the chat room. Tell us know where you're watching or listening from. And we'll get the, uh, well, the healing discussions of a wide variety of topics today. We've got in the first hour, a first-time guest, Dr. John F. Montalvo, Jr., and he's got a fascinating uh, Rumble channel that also talks about biblical UFO deception. Super Don definitely wants me to cover that. I'm happy to cover it, but all kinds of health stuff. He's got a great background in natural health and healing. Uh, let's see, beetroot juice updates on lowering blood pressure, uh, cardiac arrest in athletes. Is it is it all genetic? They still come back with this. It's just so annoying. Uh, pandemic, a different kind of pandemic in America we'll get to. And sick shaming. What is sick shaming? <laughs> Going to find out about that. And does it cause you to take more over-the-counter or prescription drugs? And finally, the homeopathic hit of the day. Boy, it's it does a lot of stuff. It's uh, pulsatilla. So stand by for that and a whole lot more on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Tell your friends, join in on the health and healing frivolity. Let's get this party started right about now. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. Voice of health, freedom, and liberty. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Well, how long will we tolerate the moronic nonsense of the medical community as they continue to just make stuff up about chronic, debilitating, degenerative diseases as it relates to what they might consider acute infections? or in, in post-infection, follow-up to infections? That's the question as we start the Robert Scott Bell Show here today on the United States and World of Health Talk. Well, I call it media now. Wrapping up the 24th year of broadcasting. Can you believe it? About to enter the quarter century mark in broadcast media, particularly in the healing realm. And that's coming up in the new year. So uh, we got a lot to do before we get there, though. Uh, we're heading into the holidays. I hope uh, you know they're filled with light, love, laughter, and healing. And the ways you can do that, of course, keep listening to this show and uh, put to the test the things we do here, the things I do, uh, the things that uh, I enjoy and, 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 you know, I'm inspired by. In fact, many of you inspire me as you tell me about your journey to health and healing. In fact, we've got one more opportunity to do that with a Zoom AMA. Let's see, ask me anything for our Patreon supporters. You know who you are. Please plan on joining us Saturday, the 30th of December at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific for one final 2024 uh, healing. Uh, uh, I guess it's going to be a party. It will be. I'll, I'll be able to do a lot of giveaways as well. We always do that. That's fun to be able to say thanks back to you guys and gals for supporting us. Uh, so the question of, uh, um, how do I say mismanaging? You know, think about misinformation and disinformation and malinformation. It's always been coming from the medical establishment in terms of uh, post uh, 1910 Flexner report. When they adopted a poison, everything that moves, breathes, has an emotion or any kind of symptom, we can poison you back to health with petrochemicals synthesized and patented for great profit. And in the meantime, we're going to wipe out any competition to that treatment of disease with poison. So you homeopaths, look out. You naturopaths, look out. You herbalists, look out. You're all now relegated to some kind of uh, uh, 
what would we call it? Uh, a name that would 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 be associated with some form of term of dem- denigration, right? Quacks. You heard that? Quacks. Interestingly enough, the origin of the word quack might be quicksilver, and it might be directed at doctors who used to use mercury and, and bloodletting and leeches and all kinds of bizarre things, even though there might be a legitimacy to some degree uh, to bloodletting uh, in terms of uh, longevity. You know, it, it was an interesting thing when you look at the difference between men and women. Why? Why do women live longer than men? And some have posited that the you know, the menstrual cycle allows for another route of evacuation or excretion of things that don't belong in the body anymore. Yet, um, is it necessary to bleed this stuff out? If I look at the health of a normal, what we call menstrual cycle, and there's not many of those going around anymore, you have to go back into the medical history books or just talk to great grandmas if they're still around about what uh, menstrual period was was considered to be normal. You know, a very regular two to three days scanty discharge. It wasn't profuse bleeding like you cut your finger and had arterial blood flowing out. I don't mean to be graphic here, but I just want to point out the degradation of various, uh, what was normal is now well, healthy normal is different. What we got is a normal state of chronic disease. And I'm not just picking on the women here. I mean, it's it's everything. It's like fatigue. How many of you consider fatigue a normal part of childhood? And I don't mean you exhaust yourself because you're out playing all day, you're doing sports and athletics, and then at the end of the day, you're like, oh, I'm ready to go to bed. I'm talking about the middle of the morning. Like, you can't keep your head off the desk. These things have become normal, but they're not healthy normal. So the word normal is kind of something you don't want to be. You know, when you're compared to normal, like uh, when they compare cholesterol levels in you to an, are they comparing it to anybody else in your family lineage to know what be considered healthy normal in your bloodline? And I bring that up as an example of, uh, you know, how normal is not normal because the the so-called elevated cholesterol levels are not necessarily directly associated with cardiac events because an equal number of people have lower or low cholesterol that have cardiac events. So as uh, you know, a harbinger of things to come, cholesterol levels really don't uh, correlate directly with cardiac events. Now, if you have abnormally high or abnormally low, how do they know if they've never tested your ancestry, you know, the bloodline? And so when they say, here's your level that should be, they're testing you against a bunch of unhealthy, chronically ill people. Today, that's all we got with rare exception. So I come back to the opening article here. And if you go to the show notes at robertscottbell.com today, uh, the 20th of December, 2023, the headline reads in the first article, long flu joins long COVID as a new diagnosis. Long flu? Long flu? I mean, I remember long strings of snot coming out of me when I had the flu as a kid. But, I mean, long flu. You know, what they're trying to describe are things that I've talked about for years here on this show. You know, after uh, an infection or a cold or flu, um, you successfully overcome it. Maybe you took over-the-counter drug interventions, I don't know, to suppress some of the symptoms. But you're like, okay, I'm over the worst of it. But then suddenly you develop a cough, a little rattling mucus in the lungs that wasn't there initially. <clears throat> you know, and now you're having a little bit of trouble breathing. You're coughing things up. And now they diagnose you with maybe pneumonia. An infection within the lungs that they say, oh, it's caused by, and they'll name a bacteria, for instance. 
never considering the dysfunction that preceded it. What am I talking about here? The general function of the excretory system, the entire system, the liver, the kidneys, the colon, the lymph, often bound up because you take drugs instead of food or nutrients. And you suppress symptoms and you congest and clog the pathways that have already been congested and clogged due to a lifetime, perhaps, or even if you're a child of vaccines and antibiotics and over-the-counter drugs, various uh, kinds, or Flintstone vitamins, <laughs> which, you know, can you just, why don't you just chew on a piece of coal, coal tar, right? And so we have the scenario now where they're trying to figure out, well, people that have the flu, they're not really getting better and they have these lingering symptoms. And you look at that and they don't, I don't know who, who's the doctor out there that's going, hey, we should be looking at the liver uh, function because they don't, because the only time they look at liver function is when they test and they find, oh, elevated liver enzymes, which could be years or decades later. Or now things they call non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. People aren't drinking. They're like, whoa, you look like you have some kind of liver problem here. What's going on? You didn't smoke. You didn't drink. It makes no sense. How about the toxic poisons you're eating, you're sleeping in, you're breathing, you're drinking? Which is why we, you know, of course, filter the water. We have the echo water technologies. And uh, as well, we add the hydrogen, dissolve the molecular hydrogen in to facilitate detox response and function, among other, many other things. Reduce the burden. Reduce the inflow enhance the body's ability to outflow the stuff you don't need and make sure the food that you're eating or the supplements you're taking are food to bring in the, the vitamins, minerals, trace minerals, fats, et cetera, that support function rather than supporting or causing dysfunction. Now we're planning to do, and it's still in the planning processes, but it's on, it's an ongoing uh, development here. Sometime in the new year, we're starting it now already, uh, interviewing some folks about what, what's called long COVID, but it's a, it's really kind of timely that this article comes out talking about long flu because it's about everything, chronic degradation, degeneration at any and every age, where it used to be when you were healthy. And you go back to the time of Dr. Samuel Hahnemann as a homeopath, you learn about his development of the homeopathic medicines among the German peasant population in his earlier years, in the early, well, latter part of the 19th, 18th century, yeah, but mostly in the, uh, in the 1800s, early 1800s. And he developed a system of medicine that, like wildfire, spread around the world, still considered maybe the second most widely used form of medicine on the planet after herbalism, various forms of herbalism. Far more in use than allopathic medicine. Yet it's, it's relegated in terms of uh, modern uh, medical coverage or media coverage or government as, uh, you know, the stepchild of, I, we're sorry that it even exists. And if we can eliminate it, we're going to try. Why? Because it's competition to the petrochemical madness, the medical monopoly. And that medical monopoly is like, a, we got to go back into the drawing board and come out with some new drugs to manage long flu now in addition to long COVID, none of which are evidence of a deficiency in any FDA approved pharmaceutical drug that exists or is new or is yet to be. If we go back to the ancient traditions in all holistic and vitalistic views of the body, we look to remove the interference to the full functioning of the body. This could be a chiropractic model and innate intelligence. It could be a naturopathic model. It could be a homeopathic model where we're working with the vital force of the body to restore function. 
the energetic pathways that, you know, and manifest certainly physically and biochemically as well. But to focus solely on biochemistry is an absolute disaster because we end up poisoning people back to health, which is an impossibility. You poison people to death over time, but you manage them and you profit from them all along the way in the medical monopoly. So long flu, long COVID, long whatever, chronic fatigue syndrome, chronic neurological degradation diseases, cancer, chronic disease happening in younger and younger people, not because younger people are living longer than they used to, but because generationally we've seen an explosion of toxicological burdens and it's a miracle that we have the ability to reproduce. And at this point, they're greatly reducing the capacity for reproduction of the human species, especially when they added in the mRNA experimental injections that are not vaccination. And these are the reasons why we've gotten banned on YouTube and Spotify and, and LinkedIn. But we're here on Rumble and other places, so please share the show if you enjoy learning and hearing and getting empowered in ways that uh, very few media outlets will do. I have a, a sense that you might be getting a little bit of empowerment from my guest this hour. He's got a Rumble channel. He's talking about a lot of things. He's If you look at his backstory and background, dude's all in on holistic concepts, application, natural healing. He's come through Trinity School of Natural Health as well and many other places. He's worked with a lot of people we know and some of which we've interviewed. I'm just impressed with his backstory. But the most interesting and intriguing part of his backstory is the first part because he's, you know, born in Elmhurst, New York. And uh, it's funny enough, I was, you know, I came onto this planet at NYU Hospital in the village, but we were living in Elmhurst at the time. And then he says in 1972, he moved to Margate, Florida, outside of Fort Lauderdale. Guess what my family did in 1972 from Queens, moved to Margate, Florida in 1972. I wonder if we knew each other as kids, Dr. John F. Montalvo Jr. Welcome to the Robert Scott Bell Show. You know, I'd like to find out. Thank you for having me uh, on this afternoon, Robert. I appreciate the opportunity to meet and greet you and also to discuss several things. But it, I was wondering the same thing, especially since you were telling me about running into that fog that the truck was putting out to yeah. try to kill the mosquitoes, not knowing that we were poisoning ourselves in the process. Right. So you remember that, you know, obviously yeah. they were reclaiming uh, uh, the Everglades a little bit to grow west, west, west at the time. It was still much less than what we see today. I mean, if I go back down there, you're still down there in South Florida? Yeah, I'm still in yeah. South So yeah. we left, but when I came back, I was like, oh my gosh, how much growth there's been. They've reclaimed so much. But of course, normally a swampy area of stagnant or still water is a, is a breeding ground for mosquitoes. And That's so true. when we were kids in the early 70s down there, they were fog trucking all of the neighborhoods. And we would, as kids, ride behind it in our bicycles or run behind it, think it's the coolest thing. Right. We're poisoning ourselves. And this is to the point of the opening monologue here today. It's like, Long this, long that. Of course, we're destroying ourselves and the medical doctors bless their hearts unless they wake up and break through and beyond their Flexner Report medical school curriculum. They're part of the problem. Yeah, uh, that's right. And the funny part about it, I used to like that smell that was that was coming off that truck. There was an intoxicating thing yeah. about that smell coming off the truck. It was wild, really wild. So, yeah, we recognize a lot of similarities in our childhood. It's fascinating. And so we'll have to talk off air about some of those, compare to those experiences yes, yes, and yes, see yes, if we yes. were nearby one another as kids. Uh, yeah. I what, what was the name of the, I have to remember, Atlantic West Elementary School, I think I went to. Uh, I don't know if that was off of Atlantic or so, not far from that area. But uh, anyway, these are yeah. memories that just come flooding back as I'm thinking about them. 
Wow. 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 Yeah. 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 I mean, I remember as a kid, it was a two lane highway going back into Coral Springs and deer used to cross the road. Yep. Yep. Now they got boa constrictors to eat all the deer. So the gators can't even eat them. <laughs> Thank God. I haven't seen one of those yet. <laughs> Dude, it's wild. What's gone on down there anyway, but Hey, listen, I'm glad to have you on board. I'm glad to connect with you. I know one of the things that we'll talk about and, and super Don was like making sure we do, and we will, uh, the, the biblical UFO conspiracies, cover-ups, whatever it is. And I, I don't have an, opinion yet about it, but I do want to talk with you about it as well as also your backstory beyond just, you know, the initial phases, because it's extraordinary what you've done, what you, who you've worked with, uh, and, you know, very much holistically inclined. I was raised pharmaceutically and medically. I didn't wake up to the, the ruse of modern medicine until I was about 19 or so years of age. And then I realized I had to go a different route. And I eventually I went down the route of homeopathy and it, everything I learned prior to that, I had to unlearn to, right. to know what was actually the truth. So right. did you have similar? Well, similar. I mean, my parents believed in doctors that you were supposed to follow the, the advice of doctors. I mean, I grew up in the time when doctors actually came to your home. You didn't go into their office sometimes. They, they actually did home visits. Um, that's pretty much the way I, I handle my practice. I go to people's homes and and go to their offices when, when they want me to. Um, but yeah, I grew up in the same mindset that doctors were... Um, were the thing that when you got sick, you go to you saw a medical doctor, mm-hmm. and I came to the understanding after my then wife had uh, breast cancer, and then I came down a month later. I was diagnosed with prostate and colon cancer. Mm-hmm. That's what put me down this route of looking into what's the alternative because cancer was has been a part of the history of my family. Mm-hmm. Um, had an aunt that died from brain cancer, another aunt that died from um, had breast cancer, and then she ended up diving for cervical cancer because she was taking uh, that um, what is that uh, drug that they give you after you've gone through breast cancer? I'm oh, thinking tamoxifen. Tamoxifen, yeah. yeah, yeah, which causes breast cancer uh, and it causes uh, cervical cancer because she ended up dying for cervical. Well. Yeah. yeah, John, can I ask how old were you approximately when you had that uh, uh, prostate cancer diagnosis? I was uh, forty at the time. 40. See, the, the thing is, I, I figured it out at 24 when I learned of homeopathy. It's like, well, actually earlier, I was like, if I keep going down this medical route, I would be dead with cancer in my 40s. It was kind of where you got that diagnosis. So I switched over at 24, went all organic, detoxified my liver, began living differently. And I'm like, you know, my uh, mid to late 50s, depending on how you're counting it, uh, I'm running circles around myself in my 20s. And, and I'm like, dude, I got all my old age diseases out of the way first. I didn't know it at the time, but it was a journey that... Uh, I was a medical family, had relatives, older relatives die of cancer or the treatment of cancer. So again, I see a lot of parallels in, in your journey and mine. And I'm just kind of fascinated by the connection here and what you're doing. Yeah. And, and uh, like yourself, I've had, uh, unfortunately, I've had some family members who knew what I was doing and still didn't want to follow my protocol. Oh, yeah. And basically what I did was I, I went on a total raw diet. Mostly it was organic, sometimes not. Lots of juicing. Did some homeopathic remedies. Um, did colonics. Um, of course, did colonics with coffee in order to, re- to get the liver cleansed. As you well know, you got to clean out, cleanse out the liver if you want to heal right. the body. Yeah. And within six weeks, not only did my prostate and colon cancer disappear, but my allergies disappeared. My sinus uh, sinusitis, my uh, you mm-hmm. know, inflamed sinuses disappeared. I lost 45 pounds in, in that process and I was sleeping better. And like you, 
I was running faster and out doing guys, you know, 20 years younger than me when I was playing football with them. And I had mm -hmm. three boys at the time and I was out running them. So the, uh, the process of going through this uh, crisis, you want to call it, because when you hear you have cancer, it, most people think it's a death sentence, but you can also use it as a way to motivate you to get better and really focus on what is important in your life. Hmm. And I think most yeah. people miss that, you know, cause they see, they hear the C word, Oh, I'm going to die. And I've seen people who've had terminal cancer that I've worked with and the doctor gave them six months to live. They're thriving and people who have had what I'd call minor cancer and they die because of yeah. their attitude. So a lot of sure, times exactly. it's in the mind. Absolutely. It's in the brain it is. Yeah. Heal. Now in, in your backstory, it talked about your, your uh, marriage to Evie and she, she died in 20, 2003 That's was it a cancer thing. Uh, like I said, both her and I were, were battling cancer, but it wasn't a cancer thing. It was Oxycontin that killed her. Oh. She, she, she ended up hurting her back. She went on Oxycontin for like a week, got off of it. Her, her back was hurting and she went back on and she ended up dying from asphyxiation because it actually collapsed her lungs. Right. Right. Yeah. So and this is again, up. what we call death by modern medicine. Uh, yeah. And, you know, all of the uh, allopathic varieties, the ways they can kill you, there are a myriad of them. And, you know, very often there'll be plausible deniability. But in the case of an Oxycontin death, it's pretty clear uh, the direct pathway to that. Uh, and, and yet there are other ways to manage pain, whether it be through cannabinoids or kratom and other things. But uh, pain management has become something big pharma uh, loves their monopoly on. They've tried to fight against any natural methods of, of managing pain. That's correct. And and I didn't know better back then. Of course, when I was going through my training with natural uh, with uh, Trinity College of Natural Health at the time, every time I was going through the curriculum, I was like, man, if I only knew this, if I only yeah. knew that, maybe she'd still be alive. I kind of kept on beating myself up because I didn't know of any other way. And I was told that Oxycontin was okay. It wasn't as bad as the or the natural substance, which I believe right. it's morphine, right? And this is uh, oxycontin is a is a synthetic version of morphine, and they were pushing a lot of that back then. And of course, you know, in the recent years, we see that they lied on all of their testing and all their reports wow. to the FDA that it wasn't addictive, that it didn't cause death, and all the stuff. And and we know better now, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm so sorry about that. These are the, the harsh lessons we learned in order to maybe get on our life's mission. You know, I don't think those folks or your wife died in vain because it obviously taught you a profound, important lessons that you would, you know, bring forward to help others so that they wouldn't meet the same fate. Correct. Um, the way I handle my practice from a biblical point of view, and I'm always looking at how can I help somebody get better so they're around for their family members but more importantly they can die healthy yes they can die healthy how many people do you know i know when i was a kid uh, i remember mr kane next door when i lived in jamaica new york as a kid and mr kane died in his bed he was 90 years old he had natural cause of death he wasn't on any medication he just died hmm. you don't hear that day you hear they died from yeah this this garbage called covid uh, they died from um, a heart attack. They died from diabetes, complication of diabetes. That you don't hear anybody just dying naturally, where they just no. go to sleep and they don't wake up. 
how many, yeah, how many people live into their nineties or even hundreds, uh, not on any medication. And when they're done, they're done. I've, I've discussed that as well, whether it be blue zone discussions or otherwise, but these people are functionally active working in the fields up until almost the day they die. They feel a few days earlier than that. They're like, it's, it's time to go. Uh, but we don't know of natural death. We've, uh, basically medicalized and, and profited off of in the Western uh, world. Um, yeah. You know, basically making pharmaceutical drugs a normal part of the decline, but they claim to to prolong your life. But question is, what is the quality of that life? And is there a way to uh, proceed as our ancestors did without them? Now, some would say, well, we used to live and we died at 20 something. Yeah, if you got stomped on by a mastodon. But, uh, you know, by and large, if you survived childhood, even back in the, you know, the 1800s, you, you could live a very long life. You know, it was like childhood mortality issues, and that may come back to issues of nutrition, hygiene, sanitation, et cetera. Uh, but that's not considered because that skewed the t- statistics of everybody's longevity downward. When you got a handle on childhood mortality, which improved in the 20th century, then suddenly we said, we're living longer. But they didn't take into account the way that people were living longer in many cases was on medicine. That's correct. And I think that's where a lot of people fail to realize. But yeah, remember, uh, Robert, the, med- the medical profession, and also part of my background, I was teaching teaching medical doctors and DOs in my background and nurse nurse practitioners. They're, be- they're being lied to, as Dr. Bruce Lipson once said, is that doctors are taught to remember, not to think. Yes. And when you look at, and, and the other thing too, statistics also can lie to you. Um, I, I studied statistics in college. I mean, you can skew anything. And if, like you said, if you have a, a great deal of mortality in the younger years, especially in childbirth, which we had an awful record of and still do when it comes to the industrial side, uh, industrial world, then that skews all of the other ages downward. So, mm-hmm. and when you look at the Bible, again, like I come yeah. from a biblical perspective, you had people living 900 plus years, you know, of course, uh, it was Noah who only lived, I think, uh, about 147 or maybe 180 years at that point. And then, of course, it started going down to 120 because God couldn't stand being around us for so long because of the debauchery that we're causing. And look at what's going on in this country with the debauchery that's causing. So yeah, if we had the type of, uh, like, I, I don't know if you remember, I remember just half a mile away, there used to be farms right off of 441. Oh, yeah. Horse farms. You can go get food without going to the grocery store if you wanted to and pick it yourself. Now we're 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 paved over. And mm-hmm. I wish I had the opportunity to have a piece of land and grow my own food or at least go to a farm that grows food naturally, which is he- much, much healthier than the food that's being put into the grocery stores. And for a couple of years, I was doing missionary work in the Midwest and I was spending my time in the southwestern port of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And when they would till those plants under, they do they do a lot of GMO corn and soy over there. The land is like dust. Yeah, it's a brownish, light brownish dust instead of that deep, dark, rich soil that's necessary to really give you nutritional plants to eat from. Yeah, of course, you grow food in that. You have to grow it artificially. It's weak, it's sick, and then the pests come get it. And so they add more toxic poisons to kill the pest. And then you eat the food thinking, it. well, it's just food. 
but we don't know from food. And that's why we have to eat organic food or the equivalent because we've destroyed food production through factory farming, et cetera. Now, in my visits back to your area of Florida, there are a lot of nice organic farmers markets on the weekend. You can grow year round. I was in, in central Florida for a number of years growing year round as well. And, you know, the capacity to grow food down there is amazing. Obviously, you might have to rehab the soils if it's pretty much a dry, you know, sandy soil. But there are ways to to right. do that. And uh, we need to get back to at least some percentage of our diet growing our own and eating it as close to that time of, of harvesting, which is, you know, how our ancestors ate if it weren't hunting as well and other things that were uh, wild and not poisoned. So uh, we've we've got a lot to do still in the midst of that population explosion. Now, we also have you know, artificial reductions of population beyond the sickness that we're inducing on ourselves, right? Uh, the, uh, the the COVID injections, clearly uh, 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 on some level, a nefarious scheme to reduce population. I mean, inevitably, this is what we're seeing here with the lack of, uh, we were already seeing a dramatic decline over now generations of, uh, of uh, functional reproductibility, right? You know, That's people right. are having more infertility than ever. Now accelerated even worse, a lot of miscarriages induced by the COVID shots and things like that. Uh, so question being, how do we regain you know, our health, some thoughts you have. I know we're pro probably on the same page on all of this stuff, but I still like hearing it. Yeah. Well, like you, I mean, I knew back in March of 2020 of what was going on and pretty much that shot is a bioweapon. Uh, let's call it for what it is. It was never a vaccine. They were, and I believe in, and uh, maybe open this up a little bit. Um, I, and one of my podcasts on biblical UFO deceptions, which is, I believe, is the sixth episode. I talk about the fact that I believe the vax, the vax, I call I call it vax hybridization. I believe they were using this vaccine not only to reduce the population, but also because of some of the properties that we kind of have found out that were in it, like the uh, oh, how can I, I forget the uh, the graphene oxide, the graphene oxide. Mm -hmm. I know Dr. Madej found uh, something that looked like a squid in one of the samples that she had, that somehow they were using this vaccine to see how they can hybridize the human being to become more like a cyborg right. as opposed to how God created us. Now, getting back to try to overcome this, I believe also in using orthomolecular medicine, which is the use of high-dose vitamins in order to overcome a lot of, a lot of the um, – the damaging effects of what this shot has done, even if you're if the shedding process that's happened. I know that a friend of mine that is working in the nursing home up in Georgia called me. She said she caught she had um, she had COVID and she was really sick. So I gave her the protocol, which which was vitamin C, zinc, D three, magnesium, a few other things. Can't remember the top top of my head. She took it within a few days. She was back at work. And when her director came to her, says, "What are you doing here? You have COVID." She says, "No, I don't. I'm, I'm not. I'm well." And she started. She put her to start working with with the with the the COVID patients that were in the nursing home. But she also asked her, "What was the protocol?" That director had the smarts to take that protocol and gave it to everybody. They didn't lose one worker or one elderly person in that nursing home. Mm -hmm. Fascinating, huh? Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. 
even with this quote-unquote bioweapon that they're using us, God has given us the ability to overcome almost any situation in a natural way, whether it be using organic foods or taking out organic foods and putting it in a juice or putting it in a blender or using homeopathy, which Samuel Hahnemann, most people don't understand, that Samuel Hahnemann was a Christian. When he was approached by somebody in terms of how is this working, he says, I don't know, but it must be, he calls it the Holy Ghost back then in German, mm-hmm. but it must be the Holy Spirit that's working through it. Well, and he used to succuss his remedies on his own family Bible. Uh, so, you know, I, I find it so so sad when people of faith look at homeopathy and say it's witchcraft. I'm like, you know what's witchcraft? It's pharmacia. It's sorcery. It's the modern medical drugs that with doctors with medical degrees and licenses. They're killing you. That homeopathy not killing you. Revelations 18.23. And the whole world will be deceived by pharmakia, or sorcery, as it says. And you're right. You know, I I was approached by people like that. said, how can you be doing homeopathy? What do you mean? It's natural. Oh, that's that's new age. That's, you know, that's that's witchcraft. I go, no, it's not. Do you know who made it? (laughs) They're so deceived. Uh, And and they're under the spell of pharmakia. Yes. yes. Absolutely. So uh, South Florida. Especially South Florida. That's amazing, isn't it? And yet yeah. that's where old people go to get on more pharmaceutical drugs and die. Uh, hopefully that's reversing now. Maybe there's more. As I said, I, you know, I go there, I see the organic farmers markets. There are places where people are aware, not everybody, but most of them were like, you know, my doctor this, my doctor that. I'm like, enough with your doctor. That your doctor yeah. is killing you and profiting from your 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 slow death. So, uh, folks, we're you know we're speaking right to the heart of the matter. I believe here, uh, not to uh, frighten you. I mean, there's enough to be afraid of, but uh, God didn't give you a spirit of fear. Doctors did, pharmacia did, and they frighten you into doing things that are not in your best interest. That's correct. And again, I worked at three medical schools down here in South Florida, Nova Southeastern University, uh, Florida International University, and Ross Medical Center. So I saw what was going on, and God had me there for a season. Unfortunately, I lost my jobs because I would not take the shot and I would not mask up because mm-hmm. both of those are disease-causing and can lead to death. Right. Uh, which is which? I don't know if you, you saw this correlation between what was going on in the last few years, but also in 1918. It was the same correlation where they were masking people up, and people were actually bought, dying from bacterial pneumonia back in 1918. And it was due to the fact that we just went through a world war, the first one that we had, and people were not getting enough greens in their system. And also they were having issues of fear. And what does fear does do? It actually lowers your immune system. Yeah. Well, and absolutely. I mean, at that time of World War One, think about the soldiers over there living in, you know, in the mud, in the, the filth, and they didn't have much access to food and nutrition. There were experimental vaccine campaigns going on back then as well. Yep. Um, yep. It was not long after the the discovery of aspirin, which was, uh, you know, rooted in nature. And, you know, the the uh, white willow bark, for instance, that was not harmful. But when they synthesized it, it became another uh, vector of a diminishment of immune function, cellular right. metabolic functions. And right. you point out fear as well. But coming back with abject nutritional deficiencies, et cetera, this was, you know, uh, uh, rife for so-called pandemic or epidemics. And then they blame what? They, a virus that hadn't even been existing yet or they haven't identified viruses yet, even though the discussion of viruses is rife with controversy. There are half of my audience says they don't exist half like they do, but they don't. Co- I mean, I, I, yeah, we I can go for hours on that one. I know. <laughs> I, I can entertain it, too. I don't mind. But I'm just saying that, that for them to go back 
1918 and say, hey, we have identified the cause of everybody's death. It was a flu virus. And here it is because we dug it out of a dead guy in Alaska who died that year. It's like so absurd. It's like the lies that they get away with. We go, oh, we're so enamored with science, uh, but it isn't science. Again, coming back to sorcery and pharmacia. Now, um, going into some biblical stuff. I don't claim to be a biblical scholar. I, I'm raised in the, in the Jewish faith. And, you know, at Bar Mitzvah, we learned about the Hebrew scriptures, what sometimes called the Old Testament, not as much as the new, the new stuff, so to speak. But at the same time, as we talk about this, fascinating, you have something that's called what? Uh, uh, biblical UFO deceptions. Now, as I went back and, and learned, and, you know, I've read the Bible since and studied and all of these things. Um, one, there, yeah, there's uh, on Rumble, you have the Rumble channel and you talk about these things, various uh, interesting topics. Uh, one of the books I read, maybe this ties into it, maybe it's not. You tell me. Uh, right. The books of uh, Zachariah Sitchin who would go back and read about, you know, you'd learn about original meaning of words and you can't go, okay, maybe they were talking about rocket ships and not, you know, chariots that float on the water. I don't know. Fascinating stuff. I don't know if you're going into that realm of biblical UFO deception or not, or something else. So let me know what's up. Okay. So uh, my friend who's uh, my co-host on there, uh, Gilbert Corchado, I was in Minnesota at the time uh, and he called me saying he wanted to start a church and, um, he wanted to go into the this situation concerning these people who have been abducted, who are inside the church. Um, and at the time, he had, when he called me, I had just broken my back. Um, took me about three months to get healed enough so I can come back home. That was back in September of 20, uh, 2022 when I broke my back. So we, we sat down and discussed what was going on. In his family, they've had a situation where uh, you, you remember where Jupiter is from Margate, right? Yes. Back in the mid-80s, uh, one of his family members told me that there was actual UFO that covered over two uh, – he, he, his family member lives in Jupiter Farms, which used to be – Burt Reynolds used to live right, right. right next to that. There was a ship of some type that actually hovered over the property right next door to him, and that – ship was about two and a half acres big and what we do is basically look at these situations because it was uh, dr warner von braun who told his secretary i think it was bonnie holmes that the last deception will be when the elites the globalists decide to go ahead and do this quote-unquote ufo invasion to bring the world together. Right. The disclosure that would result in a unification under a one world order, planet Earth. And, uh, you know, the idea that we would somehow unify at that point under a centralized bureaucracy, which is problematic even at the state and local level. I mean, heck, having a uh, condominium board is dangerous enough. You know, well, you, you don't want exactly right. exactly to right. live under that. But of course, the deceptions that they've used to this point, including the covid deception, was designed to break down the barriers to having a centralized, globalized bureaucracy running everything like WHO trying to gain control of uh, the sovereignty of nations in their response to any pandemic real or imagined. Right. And that's correct. And we, we Gilbert and I go through that. He's got a lot more. A, a knowledge concerning that I come from a biblical perspective in terms of, because back when I was a teenager and, and in my early twenties, I used to study UFOs. I was into the um, uh, project blue book. Oh yeah. You, you uh, and I, like I said, our childhoods are fascinatingly similar. I was reading all of that stuff. I was fascinated. I could, every book in the library, I would check out and read. 
Yeah, Bermuda Triangle, which is you know, right, right here. Right off the coast know, there, yeah. Right off the coast there. So that kind of fascinated me. Not only that, uh, recently, I don't know if you know of a gentleman by the name of Eli Mazzulli. Uh, Eli was a student of, um, oh, can't remember, Chuck Missler. Mm-hmm. Um, he became a Christian to that. He was a New Ager, been a Christian. He spe- spe- specifically is in this realm. His ministry is discovering crop circles and UFOs and abductions. He deals with that. And recently, he gave a talk here yeah. in in Jupiter at a church that I know the I know the pastor there, Don uh, Don Pelor. Him and I go back to Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale here. And he in the second day of his talk. He actually asked how many people have come in contact with a UFO. And I couldn't believe it, Scott. Close to 70% of the auditorium, the church, raised their hands. Wow. So what we're trying to do is let people know that this is not an anomaly. People are facing this, but also it's not an extraterrestrial. What we're dealing with is interdimensional beings, which are demonic. But also the government is involved because they're reverse engineering a lot of these crafts. Mm -hmm. Sure. Now, let me ask you about the the biblical perspective. You know, I mentioned Zechariah Sitchin. I I don't know if you studied his works about original meaning of words. It's fascinating, but it, it calls into question a lot of what we think of in terms of modern technology actually being new. Like we've had this stuff before and it went down and it got hidden or something happened. But uh, I, I don't know when you talk biblical in that way, is it because of uh, various research into that or other phrases in the Bible that are, are guiding you to say UFOs are real or not, that kind of thing? Well, what I'm trying to do with this particular podcast is give people hope, but also uh, send out a clarion call that you need to be prepared for what's coming. So give people an opportunity to start preparing, getting food, finding. One of the things that we need to do, uh, Robert, is the, is that we need community that are like-minded, like we are like-minded and others like us are like-minded, to come together, to be there for one another. I think one of the things that COVID did, or this pandemic, not a pandemic, pandemic, because a true pandemic, or the virus was fear, not some virus, quote unquote, virus that they mm-hmm. set off. Because nobody, and I don't think anybody's, I haven't been able to run across the research yet because I've studied a lot of the research. Nobody's been able to isolate, isolate a virus. Nobody. Yeah, I think you're talking about genetic fragments or sequences that they claim to be the whole thing. And this is the problem of uh, PCR uh, and viral isolation. Uh, again, th- that may never be solved. It's like, you know, talking from a vegan to a carnivore. They never get along or not well. <laughs> no, no, exactly. And not only that, a lot of the students was calling me during that time and people were not dying from that particular virus. They were dying from from malpractice. Mm-hmm. They were dying from malpractice. No so, treatment, uh, uh, ventilators, remdesivir, you know, all of those things. Exactly. Now, of course, Dr. Brian Artis, my friend, is talking about the uh, snake venom peptides being in the, you know, when you met, uh, look at these genetic sequences, how they match up to these things. And I find that fascinating from a biblical perspective when we talk about the serpent and yeah. uh, the venom of the serpent playing its, itself out in terms of uh uh, ailments, illnesses, degradation, etc., delivered by many vectors, including the shots. But uh, I don't know that that's so controversial to talk about anymore, but uh, we still have a lot to learn. Yeah, we have a lot to learn. But So what I'm trying to do the pro- with the podcast is, is show a bit of biblical perspective on life, let alone what's going on with all the deceptions that this 
world government, let alone our own government, is 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 performing here. And it's been opening up my eyes a lot. I mean, I'm a rah-rah for the USA, uh, you know, since birth. Yes. Um, I wanted to go into the space program, but the more I dig in, the more I'm seeing that we as a not as uh, as a people, but the government in itself itself has done a lot of damage throughout the world, and is doing damage to its own people for for a profit motive and a very sinister motive that's happening that is already laid out in the Bible, and that's what I'm trying to tell people is that it's already laid out in the Bible. So uh, a lot of times I'm 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 giving an altar call to to bring people to the Lord and bring bring them to Yeshua, who is the true who our true Savior is. It's not going to be Donald Trump or any other Republican, and definitely not a Democrat. Uh, when the Democratic Party is basically entrenched in slavery, their the whole root of the Democratic Party is slavery. And I don't mean to get into politics, but the truth is the truth, too. And we have to be able to look at what is true and what's healthy and to get away from fear and bring love and peace to our community, because that's also unheal- a, a, a form of healing that that comes not just to the individual but to the group that you're involved with and yeah. i think, and i don't know about you but and sometimes in south florida people are just going off you know to and fro and there isn't really community like when i grew up in new york city yeah. man, the guys and i were playing baseball football we would have block parties mm, yeah. i haven't seen any of that lately and well in you really have to go out of your comfort zone because they've really uh, programmed fear the spirit of fear into so many of us in america that we fear our neighbors we don't we're afraid to get together with them and you know that's why you know finding a place where you uh, can move in where a community is 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 the norm if you will or working hard to correct the fear and and you know breaking through the difficulty that has transpired over now many decades to get where we are because in the case of you know grid down scenarios if it's everybody for himself and you know nobody's prepared then it becomes a real zombie apocalypse Yes. Uh, and, and, you know, we see it fictionalized in, in the movies and TV, but that could be a real life scenario. There are people that have lived through the, the decline of a civilization or the collapse of the Soviet Union, what was like Venezuela, other places that, you know, collapsed due to socialism and other reasons. Uh, and uh, horrific things occur, things that you're like, oh, that's only fiction. No, no, that could be real. Uh, so the question is, are we prepared uh, to to survive those downtimes, because even without the artifice of our governments facilitating this, you know, there have been natural disasters as well over the course of human history. And, and right. you know, I think we're asked to prepare for those things at the same time, live life, not in fear, but be also ready so that we can help one another, because if we can't help ourselves, how are we going to help anybody else? True. True. And that zombie apocalypse is actually on the CDC website. Oh, yeah. No, they put it up there. We have, we were covering that <laughs> when that happened. So absolutely <laughs> astonishing. So, uh, Dr. John, when you do your uh, podcast on Rumble uh, or elsewhere, how often do you do an episode? How can people find you? Well, right now we're doing it once a week. We do it on a Sunday. I usually post it on Sunday night or Monday morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, we record it first. Uh, we haven't. I have, I'm, I'm also the technician. So I still haven't gotten that sophisticated to, to try to do it on a more regular basis. And not only that, my partner works on a, you know, he, he's work like he, he drives a bus also. He's also mm-hmm. a pilot. He knows how to fly helicopters. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a once a week thing right now. Yeah. Do you have a, a local congregation you attend in the southern Florida region that other people might be listening, might go, hey, I want to check that out? 
Well, I am a pastor of a church that's called Zealous for Zion. Uh, unfortunately, back in April, the uh, the rental that we had that was down in Hollywood got flooded. So we oh. have, we're still in the process of trying to find a permanent location. Okay. Um, so, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, all the best on that recovery as well. And uh, any other messages you want to share with my audience? Again, you have a wide and varied background. It's just uncanny how similar our upbringings were and, you know, how we've we've led to similar conclusions as well. And I appreciate connecting with you finally. Yeah, finally. I'm I'm glad we did connect. I mean, uh, we need to be be prepared. I mean, if you see my my podcast and I always end it with this in terms of fine community. Make sure that there's love there. Be be there for one another. Get whatever provisions you need. But ultimately, the only true Savior you have is Yeshua HaMashiach, which you know as Christ Jesus. Um, Christ is actually his title, which means the anointed. It wasn't his last name. <laughs> it wasn't his last name. And it's all laid out in the Bible. You read the yeah. book of Daniel, you read the book of Revelations. Everything that's happening right now has been already prophesied 2,000 years ago. We shouldn't be afraid of what's coming next, but we need to be prepared. We really need to be prepared. You know, one of the things about being a, this pa- a pastor and, and a holistic healer is that I am, again, I'm trying to heal people so they can do the best that they can, not only for their family, but for the, for the coming kingdom. But the most important thing I can do is present the Lord Jesus to them because then they will have eternal life. And it's one of these things that we are, we were created to be an eternal being, but there's only two places we can live after this world is finally burnt up. It's either heaven or hell. And I'd rather choose heaven. Dr. John F. Maltavo Jr. Nice to connect with you here on the Robert Scott Bell show. All the best on your journey as it continues as well. And I know you're, you're using the spirit to help uplift people. And I appreciate that so much. Amen. Thank you, sir. I Thanks, appreciate John, for being on board. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that again, uh, uplifting messages in the midst of a lot of things that might drag us down and under. And again, another recurring message is the fear message. Where is that coming from? Who is instigating a spirit of fear? If you can call it that. And who is, encouraging you to live beyond that fear or to be fearless. In fact, now if we talk about fear. <laughs> I've, I've, you know, I've talked about my, my story of a couple of years ago. I don't know how long ago now it was. I hiked up to the top of a mountain with my daughter and her class. And I got to the top and suddenly I was afraid of falling off the cliff. I'm like, I didn't, you know, uh, these kids were running on, along the edge. Like there was no tomorrow. I'm like, well, okay. And I, I realized there's elements of fear that could be good to protect you. If you're not sure of foot at the edge of a cliff, so you don't fall off. Right. So it doesn't mean that fear is completely, you know, never, ever use it. Don't acknowledge it. You know, there are things that could keep you safe, keeping you out of a, the street in the middle of a traffic jam. Right. Because you're afraid you'll get hit by a car. Nothing wrong with that. It's, it's, that makes sense. Uh, but living, you know, in a fear of, uh, you know, name, name the fear. Of course, the biggest fear a lot of people have is the fear of death, which I've argued is a fear of life, fear of living. And when you fear death, then you're afraid to live because you might die. And it's like, what have you done? Wasted your whole life being afraid of dying and you never got to live. So once you recognize who you are in terms of the spiritual being that you are and the recognition that you do live beyond this life and that this mortal coil that you're in is not really who you are, 
maybe, and maybe it takes, a, you know, a, a, a near-death experience or a, a spiritually transformative experience, STEs, we've talked about that, to, uh, to you know, to, to, to come to that point of, oh my gosh, yeah, all that stuff that they wrote about is real. I'm created of God. This is not like, uh, you know, this flesh and blood is it. And so in that way, you can live fearlessly. Now, not everybody has those experiences like I had growing up. You know, I had that, that out-of-body death experience that confirmed to me. It's like, oh, I am soul. I don't have a soul, right? That's the question of, you know, do you possess yourself or are you who you are? Uh, and and at that point, it certainly changed my worldview or strengthened my conviction or cons- uh, um, let's say knowingness, if that's a way to say it, because we can have belief and faith and that's a part of the steps uh, to, to get there. But there are certain experiences you have that you're like, do I need faith that I am this? No, you know, you are that. How does that play itself out? Not in an ego way or else you, you kind of misinterpreted the message, but in a way that you now come back into life and go, I want to do anything I can to help anybody who wants help. You may learn the hard way too, that you can't help people that don't want help. <laughs> you know, this is the old story I keep telling over the years of, you know, grabbing the old lady by the arm at the stoplight and walking her across the street while she's beating her, beating you <laughs> with her umbrella the whole way. And you're like, lady, what are you doing? Hitting me. I was like, yeah, I'm helping you across the street. And you get to the other side with her. She says, I didn't want to go across the street. You never stop to ask and honor their you know, wishes, so to speak, what they want. Not everybody's ready. Everybody's in a different state of consciousness and doesn't mean you can't put your hand out for them. But if you <laughs> put that hand out and beat them into submission, you know, I've been on the receiving end. I've talked about that being, you know, beat, getting beaten with a Jesus stick. Is that very Christ-like? Or do you want to inspire others because of your belief in that love and that divinity to inspire others to come to the path as opposed to beating them into submission or convert or die scenarios, whether it be in Islam or other uh, belief systems. So again, the spirit of freedom, spirit of choice, the spirit of agency. So uh, that's a big part of what, what I try to remember each, each and every day. And, and when I mentioned the power to heal is yours, that power comes from a far higher place than government, of course, and your doctor or even a homeopath. It's a power that you are aligned with when you recognize and acknowledge and practice the presence of God in everything. Uh, that's just a little bit about what I love to share. So uh, as we wrap up the first hour, cardiovascular health on the mind, uh, I got another good workout three in a row uh, this week since I've been back because I've been traveling the first couple of weeks of the month. And it was great to be back in the kickboxing gym, still getting the benefit of that that, that yoga stretching stuff, that yin yoga stuff that uh, Tim James introduced us to at the Mountains of Hope Healing Retreat. And uh, doing great, uh, but uh, I, I still, even this morning, I was talking to someone who, uh, uh, her name is Becca. Uh, she always is in the red zone. She feels fine, but she's always in the, you know, when you monitor the heart rate, it's like, you're not getting any pulse points in the red zone. And I'm like, cardio miracle? You know about it? No, I don't know about it. Tell me about it. So anyway, this final article here kind of lends itself to that discussion. Beetroot juice supplement found to lower blood pressure, improve exercise capacity in people with COPD. Um, and this is a, you know, a pulmonary or breathing issue, of course. And why is beet juice so good? Well, it's highly nutritious. It's also beneficial to facilitate nitric oxide production. And it also helps the liver. The liver is key to the health of everything. The kidneys, the lungs, you name it. There's nothing that is, is not connected to the function and health of the liver. And so beets help that. Now, is this the comprehensive way to focus on nitric oxide? I don't believe so. And I'll talk about it 
in the next hour of the show in a little bit more depth to give you some insight into why it's not just about one thing. You know, it's like one food. All I got to do is eat that and drink that. And that's it. No, that's not how it works. There may be good things in one thing, a lot of good things in one thing. You know, we've talked about the use of uh, uh, the algae like spirulina or chlorella. We've got the energy bits. I mean, technically, you could live a long time just on that. I agree. But is that ideal? Is it optimal? No, you still want to address other needs that the body has over time. But we can get into a point <laughs> very easily where we've got the one thing and it's all I need. It's all you need. And a lot of times you'll see doctors that, that discover something that helped them. They'll write a book, maybe not doctors, but anybody will write a book about this diet. And then they say, it's the cure for everything. Everybody needs to be on it. And I'm always suspicious of that. Maybe they are sincere in their belief because of what it did for them. But as a homeopath, I found out that there is not one diet that's, uh, that's right for everybody except that it starts at the organic quality level. Oh, there's curly. Just one thing. Thanks, Super Don. Remember that? One thing. Do you remember what that one thing was, Super D? Was it, did we ever find out? What was that one thing? Was did, it, they, did they, was that, did they reveal that at some point? I don't, I actually, I don't even remember. I know. I asked the question because it was like the, the thing. It was the MacGuffin. One thing. Curly would raise his hand. One just, thing. Just that one and thing. And then at the yeah. end, I think uh, the other character, what was it? Uh, Billy, uh, Billy uh, Crystal's character Crystal. said he, he found the one thing yeah. uh, maybe different for everybody, but <laughs> it's not just one food. It's not just one diet, but clean up what goes into you. Love yourself enough. Like God loves you to give yourself the best. Certainly you're willing to do it for your children. Why not yourself? You're willing to do it for your car. Why not yourself? Right. Seems pretty basic, but we often, uh, you know, just get too busy and harried or afraid to do that, which we need to do if we want to stick around here for as long as possible and enjoy the life, the gift that we've been given of life, to enjoy the kids, the grandkids. Super Don has a gaggle of grandkids and uh, maybe may they have kids one day and want to be around for them, but we got to do stuff if you want that to happen. Uh, it's not just by the grace of God. A lot is, but there's a lot more we're asked to do, not just ride on that. So that's, that's all I got to say for hour one, Super Don. What about you? That's your one thing. It's my one thing. All Many right. one things. I enjoyed John on the show today. That was fun. Great new friend here to the program and more. And hour two, what do we got? Do we got any guests or is it just you, me, you, me, and Super? Just Jesus? you, me, and... Uh, the lamppost. And genetics. And the chair. Oh, genetics. Yeah, we got to talk genetics. Yes. It's all genetics. Heart attacks, genetics. We're going to talk about that when we come back from this break. I hope you all are enjoying the show. Please share it. And remember, our next AMA for our Patreon supporters, as little as $4.99 a month, you get access to a lot of things, including the homeopathic kit of the day in video format, whereas everybody else just gets it, the PDF download, which is great too, by the way. Thanks, Super Don, for doing that for free for all y'all. Uh, but if, please consider becoming a patron supporter and join us on our Zoom AMA December 30th, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. But we got a whole other hour broadcast healing to go. So uh, stick around and bring your friends and family if they want, because the power to heal is theirs too. All right, we'll talk cardiac health and genetics as well as uh, a different kind of pandemic in America that's problematic. I just uh, don't think that uh, Klaus Schwab will be able to do anything about this one. And uh, what is sex shaming and how does it impact your 
willingness to get on heavy medication in the, in the workplace. And then finally the homeopathic hit of the day, we got it coming up and it's a broad one. I'll just, that'll be my hint, hint for now. Uh, Super Don on the UFO issue. I think one of the you know interesting things that John said about within his congregation, like when asked about if you've seen it, I don't know if it was all about abductions, but 70% of the people said, you know, they had some interaction with a UFO of some kind. Is that surprising to you? 70%? Yes. 70? 70? He said 70%. All within like one, like, like, yeah. I, well, I don't know. This is... This is online, right? So no, no, that was no? in a congregation. No in his congregation, yeah, yeah, that does no. I don't, I don't. Well, you whatever. Know, I don't want to sell the UFO. Say but, you're you're catching me off guard here. I was I was in kind of. Uh, oh, dick, I thought you were paying attention to it because you. Anytime I mentioned <laughs> UFO, you were like, I want to, I want to know what's going on. So no, I think it's interesting. I think yeah. it's interesting, but to yeah. have a congregation in a local, yeah. a local congregation. Hmm. Where seventy percent of them say they've had some sort of interaction with an alien or something. Well, again, that's a broad statement. It could just be they saw something in the sky and they didn't know what it was. Versus being well, abducted, even that, right? even that would be. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know that many people. Close that encounters just, of the third kind, right? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Whatever. But dude, there, it was it was uncanny. His upbringing, the things he was into. That was probably yeah, the most bizarre detail is that you both. You both uh, were born in the same place, and and moved, moved to the same the in the same, same year, the same year down to the same place yeah. in Florida. That's a trip. Hmm. He stayed there. I didn't, but uh, maybe we were back yeah, maybe that's aliens. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And why did they name Jupiter, Florida? It. Jupiter. That's where Burt Reynolds was. He mentioned uh, Jupiter. Uh, that there was some alien activity there. That would make sense if the aliens were coming down, going, "Hey, where should we uh, crop dust? How about Jupiter?" That, that'll right. be funny. That'll be all snickering in the alien ship. We'll go to Jupiter. Nope. Ooh, we're on planet Earth. Anyway. I, okay, I can be silly about this too, can't we? Can we have fun about all this stuff? No? Super not so serious. Why so serious? Why so serious? Why so serious? All Just right. you and me this hour. Yeah. Well, that's all right. Yeah. That doesn't happen very often anymore. No, it doesn't. I, I don't know what's going on, but we uh, Ty Bollinger was unavailable going into. He's unavailable. Show. You know, we just met. You know, we haven't had Ty on for how long now? I mean, two it's, weeks it's, at least. Yeah, he's he just coming on sporadically whenever. But and okay. the one day that yeah. I, I said, I'll bet you it's been at least a month. Yeah, it could be. Uh, yeah. yeah, the one day I ask is his one month eye appointment for for his surgery. I right. just happened yes. to pick that day, and it was on a Wednesday. So yeah, yeah. He pulled a uh, medical excuse. He, he my pulled doctor. a, 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 a Michael uh, Bolden Bolden on us. Yeah, <laughs> can't do it that day. I can't do it, Captain. All right. Well, we'll get into the stories in a moment. I just want to give a quick shout out reminder, uh, folks. Uh, the Folium products are amazing. They're excellent. They're awesome. And you know, I just think about it. A year ago at this time, it was just you know I don't know exactly which date it was that my my mom called me and said uh, I'm on the Folium products now and two weeks in. I'm getting sleep. I got energy back. I'm feeling like there's, you know, life in me. And then she enjoyed the new year by dancing in the new year. And then her birthday, January 29th, which we plan to have a uh, 90th celebrate 90th anniversary celebration of her birth uh, coming up next year. And it's not too long from now. And so the folium products are amazing. If you guys have hit a ceiling in your healing, you, you know, you hit the wall and you're like, ah, I don't know what's going on. I just can't seem to break through. Please consider folium products. FoliumPX.com, Folium Original, Folium Immuno, Folium Relax. And we've gotten great interviews this past calendar year that we're still technically in. 
with a lot of you know, different doctors, different people have had benefit from it, as well as uh, a Bobri. And you know, some of my favorite have been with Dr. Judy Mikovits, and it's become a mainstay of her protocols as well. And so uh, do consider that. Get a discount by mentioning Robert Scott Bell or RSB10 or whatever it works for you there as well. Also, there's going to be a virtual race. Trinity School of Natural Health hosts this once, maybe twice a year to raise funds for their scholarship fund. So, you know, for those that need a little help going to Trinity, and it's not an expensive endeavor for most people. You can afford to go through Trinity coursework and not go into debt or, or massive debt or debt at all. And uh, they have uh, their virtual race every year and they're starting it up for, for January. And you guys can participate in that and get a little bit of Trinity swag at the end too. Uh, I encourage you to do that. Also, we have the Trinity Health Freedom Expo, the virtual expo coming up 17th and 18th of February. And that's online through the Whova app. And you guys can hear and see everything that you couldn't hear and see even if you were there and then some. And you get three months access for like 35 bucks. It's, that's the no-brainer deal of the century. And also before that, we've got the uh, Autism Health Summit. And that's going to be in uh, San Antonio, Texas, thanks to Tracy Slepsevic. And we've got so many great people, friends of ours, that'll be joining me and, and all y'all there and hopefully more. I think Lori Harvey, our friend, said she could be there for that. Uh, I was thinking there, Lori commented, oh, you know, we were talking about uh, the cult of pharmacia a little bit last hour. Mm -hmm. She says her son said she's in a cult because she doesn't follow big pharma. Ah. Think about how weird that is, but... If you're in a the cult of big pharma, you you don't know it, and you think anybody <laughs> outside of it is in a cult, right? It's kind of wild, huh? Yep. Yeah. All you I, weirdos. Lori, if you want me to talk to your son, I'll be happy to do it. I don't know if it'll do any good, but I'll be happy to do yeah, it. Give him a talking to, huh? I'll give him a talking to. Well, first be, off, how big is your son? Oh, true. Yeah, maybe from a distance. <laughs> I no, I'm not wanting to do a pugilistic I thing. Know, I, I'm very respectful. Know. You know that. Yeah. Uh, but. I, sometimes it's a matter of the Socratic method, asking questions that causes people to finally consider their position and go, hmm, oh, I hadn't thought of that. I hadn't thought of it that way. And you're not feeding them, you know, by telling them what to believe. You're just asking them a question that they hadn't considered if they're open to it. And those are some of the things you can do with love, of course, not with the uh, harmful intent of any kind. Uh, did you want to add anything to the long flu thing I opened with today? It was kind of a little bit philosophical and, and very directed at, at the moronic medical uh, views of these long whatever, fill in the blanks. And we're, we're going to do a whole uh, series of interviews specific to that in the coming new year. Well, I just I think it's interesting. Um, this this it was, you know, I try to be objective on this stuff mm -hmm. as much as I can um, and, and not have any bias. Right. Um, so the, the, this research that they did, it was not a small study. It, was, it involved over eight, 81,000 COVID patients and 11,000 flu patients. Mm -hmm. And they were tracking 94 different adverse health outcomes. Right. So, I mean, it wasn't like some kind of fly-by-night thing. I mean, they, it was an observational study. Sure. Um, but, you know, they found that uh, these, these people, when they had uh, flu, which they call a severe flu, mm -hmm. that it did uh, cause uh, problems. They had a greater risk of rehospitalization. Uh, that the uh, what was it here? It was I had I highlighted it here, but there were like several things. Or you know, the, uh, a greater chance of having a heart attack. Da, 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 da. Now, on the COVID side of things, whether you consider it a virus or a bioweapon or whatever you want to call it, that you know, mm -hmm. it was a real thing, whatever it was. Um, that was much more severe. Yeah. 
right? You know, I mean, this we're talking about multiple organs that were involved in that situation. So, uh, but it's interesting how, it, it, I don't know, I, did they just never look at the flu? I, you know, the flu, how long have we been doing the flu? COVID's new, right? You know, that's yeah. the new kid on the block. Uh, and just now, now they're going, oh, wait a minute. People are having problems if they have severe flu. So, you know, my question would be, I don't think they really answered it in this study. They just, they just, they found the, the, the thing and now they're going, whoa, look at this. Now they're probably going to be looking into it more. Uh, what would be the reason behind that? That's, that's like, now that's what we need to look at, right? If somebody gets the severe flu yeah. and that, that causes uh, an effect to them that they don't mm -hmm. quote fully recover. Yeah. Uh, and so they're at a higher risk of things, you know, 18 months later or something like that. What's the reason for that? That was the point of my monologue. To, to and then, them. yeah. And so yeah. then it's like, so, okay, so what do you do about that? Yeah. Yeah. My, my question though, and like, I have to be cynical. I have to, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, they're pointing this out and going, oh, look, oh, long flu. Well, what, what is that going to translate into as far as, as science and, and and medicine goes, mm -hmm. you know, you know, Pfizer's if they're going, oh, that was a good one. That's a good, you guys see that one? Or maybe maybe yeah. they even funded it. Maybe who knows? How do, yeah. How do we pharmaco pharmaceuticalize? Oh yeah. We got to treat long yeah. flu now. Yeah. And they'll have MRNA vaccines to prevent it. <laughs> and <laughs> how much you want to bet? Uh, yeah. Now I could be wrong, but here's my prediction. Mm -hmm. uh, we had long COVID. Now we've got long flu. What's next? What's next? Mm -hmm. What's the next thing that's going to be long dash whatever, mm -hmm. right? Is it this? Is it we're going to see a trend here now? That they're going to have I, long I think, everything. I think uh, it's long johns because long it's johns. Yes, it's yes. winter. <laughs> we got to wear a long john. Uh, that makes more sense. So anyway, that's that's kind of where my brain went with that. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate always your insights. Really good. And uh, I, I just like I said, I keep pointing out the same thing, and you think is he a broken record for those old enough to know about records, but. If you're right about something, why would you switch, you know, your tune? Now, has there ever been a time where I've learned either I was wrong or I, you know, the, the, the understanding was a bit superficial and I went deeper. I went, oh, that explains it. Yeah, of course. That's part of the learning process. But some of these things have stood the test of time and some of these things stand the test of common sense. As I've asked the question, how many of you, raise your hand if you're not driving, don't need a good liver to be healthy? Anybody? Raise your hand if you don't need a good liver to be healthy. And it's like, so you're like, well, duh, that's stupid. But, but if you think about what medical doctors do, poisoning you chronically all the time with their drugs, what are they doing for your liver? They're not helping your liver. And so that ends up precipitating what we call long whatever, because you end up in chronic disease states, even if you've overcome an acute infection, for instance. But that, the, 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 super Don, to your knowledge, the doctors go, oh, uh, let's check, uh, how's your liver? Or, hey, maybe we should give you some, you know, herbs or homeopathics or anything else for your, or selenium for your liver. Oh, no, be careful. Selenium could be toxic. So no. all of the things that we would do, the Flexner Report, you know, curricula in medical school directs doctors away from it or to dismiss it and call it, you know, some derogatory name so you don't in, engage in critical thinking about it. Right. And you're like, oh, that's too basic. It's just your liver. Right. Yeah, Robert, I learned about the liver. It can't be that simple. It's like, what does your liver do? What if it doesn't do what it's supposed to do? What do you think can happen? Let's carry that on out and see all of the symptoms of long, you know, what and go, oh, that associates with liver congestion that associates with uh, name the symptom and you can track it back to your liver, for instance. But that's not, you know, well, what is it? What would a Yeah. What would a doctor prescribe? Yeah. <laughs> 
That is the to, point, isn't it? Right. You know, we yeah. don't have anything that, that will make your Look liver up healthy. On my shelf, my doctor's shelf, he has dandelion tea everywhere. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I, you don't see that. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. Um, so that's what we got. That's what we got to deal with. So cardiac arrest. We we ended this the last hour on uh beats. And we talked about beats and their ability to be helpful for a lot of function, including, as I mentioned, liver. Uh, and also helping for nitric oxide production, but it's not comprehensive enough to counteract the uh, corresponding rise of peroxynitrite, you know, with just arginine and beets and things like that. You got to be more comprehensive to do that the way like we do in Cardiomiracle. But this article, uh, this is from Newsmax, says cardiac arrest in athletes may be tied to genetics. All right. Super D, you and me are old enough to remember Jim Fix. Remember Jim Fix, double X? Last name F-I-X-X? Jim I Fix. Don't, I don't. That does not ring a bell. Come no. on. He was like the ultra marathoner. I think they patterned uh, like, uh, what was the Tom Hanks character, uh, Forrest Gump? Remember when he started running? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that kind of came from that. What That guy Jim Fix was like the marathoner. And mm-hmm. he ended up dying of a cardiac event. And you're like, people are going, well, he wasn't that healthy, was he? He was running all the time and he died of a heart attack. And so then they could say, well, it was a genetic thing. Well, the question is, if it was genetic, why didn't he die during his first marathon? You know, why was it on and on and on? And I would argue, guess what? That he had depleted nutrients in the overexertion of his body, not realizing that certain minerals were being depleted to the point of danger to function and structural integrity to the heart and cardiovascular system. And then they go, well, that was genetics. Well, you could say that about anything because we all have genes. And if you want to pinpoint, hey, look, I saw an aberrant gene. That that explains everything. That's the cancer. That's the heart disease. That's the, I'm like, dude, I get predispositions. We've talked about miasms here on the show, right? It's not the first time you've heard the word miasm, Super Don, right? Miasm? Yes. So miasms are like inherited predispositions. So it's not out of the extraordinary to go, well, yes, you have strengths, you have weaknesses, why does one person with high levels of uric acid have no arthritis or gout and no symptoms? And then another person is like, they can't walk. Their toe is so inflamed. You go, all right, what are the metabolic strengths and weaknesses in terms of uh, managing uric acid in another way? If your liver is congested and it can't, well, some it's going to impact the vascular system and create inflammation and injury which comes with little or no symptoms until years later when it's way late, they, you know, and then you have the heart attack, stroke, et cetera. Now we're seeing it way earlier because of MRNA injections and other things, but you know, the heavy metal exposure, we're exposed to lead, mercury, all these things. And you go, well, he, he died of a brain aneurysm, but he had a lot of lead and mercury in his system too. Hmm. Was that genetic? You know, I asked the question not to give you the answer, but just to ponder the thought here as they say cardiac arrest in athletes may be tied to genetics. You notice they're not committing to it. They're like, it might, maybe. Well, you know, I mean, they, they did the study. And what they found was uh, they, they took 280 top-level endurance athletes. Mm-hmm. And they found that one in six of them had indicators mm-hmm. normally associated with heart disease and reduced heart function. Okay. Uh, and so, you know, so basically what they're saying here is that one out of six, that's, I don't know what the percentage would be on that one out of six. Is it 15, 18%? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. I don't like math. 
Okay. Uh, these people had these markers and they had certain things like, you know, an enlarged heart or a regular mm -hmm. rapid heartbeat or changes yeah. in the, you know, heart's left ventricle, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, and that they had this, this ability, despite the, despite, you know, these things, they had these, this, this sort of ability to be able to perform at these super normal levels during exercise. Uh, but they had these, I guess, what would you call it? A defect or something, you know, something. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and I've heard of this before, you know, where you, every once in a while you see an athlete, you know, there's one in particular, I remember years ago, um, I'll never get the picture out of my head, but they showed the video where the guy was, he was a, a black guy on a, on a basketball team. Mm -hmm. I think it was a college team. Uh, and, and he went, it was playing basketball and went to do a layup. And, and as he, he went by the, the camera, they, they got a shot of his face and he had like this shocked look on his face and he just hit the ground and it was dead. Much like some of the things that we've been hearing about recently, but this was years ago, before COVID, before the yeah. you know the mRNA and all that stuff. Right. And you know when they did the autopsy, they found that he had an enlarged heart, and it seemed like mm -hmm. a, these people that every once in a while you would hear about these athletes that died. That was one of the things that was common mm -hmm. was the enlarged heart. Now I don't know what causes an enlarged enlarged heart. In this case, there it looks like they're kind of implying the fact that there it's genetics. They have these genes, yeah. right? you know, that, that can, sure. can lead to something like this. Now, yeah. the reason why I feel like this article might mm -hmm. be controversial mm -hmm. more than it would have been say 15, 20 years ago yeah, is that, you know, we've got the, the COVID shot situation going on now. Right. Right. So you look at this and you go, well, yeah. yeah how come they're not saying anything about the shots? Yeah. Right. They're not, they're not even, well, that's because they don't believe you're not going to hear, you're going to see anybody. It's going to be like, oh yeah, COVID shots are causing people to have heart attacks. Right. It's a, you know, that's something that we hear in our circle hmm. that falls on deaf ears at pretty much everywhere else. Yeah. Well, what about the uh, diminishment of certain minerals that we need like copper? Do we know, as we discussed here on this show, copper and selenium play a critical role in protecting the cardiac proteins and the entire right. vasculature. Why is it that that's not even considered here? Well, would you say that there's a higher deficiency in copper and selenium now versus 20 years ago? Yes, I would argue that it's been an ongoing diminishment. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, what would what would cause that? Well, the lack of access now versus to 20 years can, ago. Yeah, the lack of access to food that contains it. The complete. Okay. So it's it's the, the yeah uh, the depletion of these depletion things over time. In the food and, and of, chain. Right, and of yeah. course. Uh, when we talk about gene expression, when you lack certain minerals, it alters the genes that express. Was it, now, do you say it was caused by your genes or was it caused because you didn't have the essential blocks of mineral building blocks or other amino acids to, you know, make the proteins that would keep your heart healthy to replace them? Right. So I keep coming back to environment and nutrition and all of that rather than going gym fix. I, I go back for the old people in the audience. That That's funny. I, I don't I don't recognize that. Name. Do, a, do a little search on gym fix. Yeah. And you'll see oh, I believe story. you exist. It's yeah. just not somebody that I, but, I but it's like that was the thing. The picture of health. He can run beyond any human and then he dies of a heart attack. Again, <laughs> no consideration for the nutritional needs of a body that's being pushed beyond normal limits. Right. Yep. Replenishing, replenishing, replenishing. How does that play a role? And they say, well, no, he had bad genes. And that was the reason. Mm -hmm. Well, if that's the case, how is it that people that, you know, with bad genes never have that event? Now, partly it could be they're not pushing themselves beyond the stores of their body of copper and selenium, for instance, when we talk about heart events. Right. Or their liver is healthy enough to withstand even, you know, a predisposition. But as I said, these miasms and homeopathy, they don't have to manifest until you 
live a lifestyle that is not in accordance with what you need to live a healthy life, regardless of your proclivities or predispositions, for instance. So it doesn't have to manifest, doesn't have to play itself out, uh, is is the point there. Uh, so Cardio Miracle, come back to that now. We talked about beets. Cardio Miracle, why is it such a miracle? Well, it's a food, and it provides so many of these essential nutrients in conjunction with certain botanicals and, you know, food stuff, so to speak, and organic quality in there that do facilitate certain metabolic responses, like the endothelial lining of the vascular system, to produce the nitric oxide that facilitates the, the relaxation and the ease of blood flow, which means better and more efficient oxygenation and elimination. We've also talked about some of the things in the formula, enhancing cellular autophagy. That is something you try to get with a fast, right? Enhancing autophagy processes, that is recycling the substances in the cell that can be recycled and reused and cleansing out that which is no longer used and, and, and that's elimination, detoxification support. Again, fasting is another technique to get there. The Cardio Miracle enhances that process. Then we talk about the, the, the focus on vitamin D. You know, people are bonkers for vitamin D. I don't dispute that the complex hormone D is not important, but I believe people are taking many, oftentimes the wrong form and maybe to excess. But the real concern I have has been, hey, if you're not getting the levels to come up by taking all of this D from external sources like supplements, could it be that you're unable to use the D you're putting in? Is it being stored in the fat? Yes, it is. And so how do you activate? How do you take that stored D and activate it for use by the metabolism for all the good that it can do? Mm. Well, then we find out the food formulation, the, the synergistic, you know, of everything. And Cardio Miracle facilitates that too, that you need far less D from an external source outside of normal sun exposure when you can utilize the D that you already have. So you don't have to keep taking more. Doctor, I got to take more. My levels are going up. It's like, well, maybe you're not using it because you have a metabolic dysfunction due to the lack of something or some things. And then we come back to, again, well, maybe you have a genetic predisposition, MTHFR, right? I hear that all of the time. And I don't want to be mean to people that have that because they that's become almost a religious belief too, that I can't methylate, therefore I can't have anything. But what if you could alter gene expression through introducing things into your system that alter that gene expression. And then suddenly you can methylate again. That's why I don't think, you know, I don't believe in genetic determinism in that sense. You know, maybe it's like an eye color thing. I, I don't think that's controversial, but uh, you know, when it comes to other functions, um, I'm just not a guy that's a defeatist in terms of that's my genes. I got to, I'm, I'm screwed. Uh, and somebody can always put up, here's the exception, Robert. What do you explain? How do you explain this? We can go back. We got to go back lineage and sense because even genetics is epi epigenetics. In other words, what happened in previous generations to bring rise to this pattern in your family or familial history, for instance. Is this too egg-heady for a Thursday? I don't know. Could it be? It would be if it was Thursday. It's not Thursday? It's Wednesday today. Good. So, all right. So I'm okay. I can do this on Wednesday. <laughs> See, every day, I think it's a different day. Blame it on Ty Bollinger because he didn't yeah, show up. He didn't show up. Go. So anyway, uh, so from beetroot to, you know, these things, uh, look to use the Cardio Miracle. We have a special link. And Super Don, if anybody missed the uh, webinar I did last week mm -hmm. with Dr. Uh, Henry Ely and Dr. Uh, Avery uh, Jackson, it was a fantastic one. And, and, and um, John Hewlett was there too. And yes. you guys, it's a great one. You guys could plug into that and share it for the holidays. It'd be a good holiday gift. 
So I think, are you going to send out a, an email on that? For yeah, email I've list? got a link to it that okay, uh, I, can, I can share with folks. All right. And Jonathan Otto's event that I'm in is also just starting. If you haven't signed up for it, we've sent out emails on that. Uh, there are often banners uh, in the show notes and things like that as well. As we look at upcoming events, I mentioned the uh, Trinity Health Freedom Expo virtual. Did you? I think I forwarded you an email that might have an image you can use. Um, yeah, actually, I po- I did a, a post on Facebook for that as well. Oh, sweet. Um, Excellent. You forwarded to an e- email. That's right. I think this morning I did. Yeah. So let's see. What is the next pandemic? Let me see if I could find it here. Um, this one is, I guess it's not communicable. As they like to say, you can spread it by breathing. But it harms you if you don't breathe. What is it called? It's the pandemic of inactivity. They say this is the next crisis facing the United States. The next one. How long have we been dealing with people that are sedentary? Is that new? <laughs> How is that the next crisis? I thought that we've already known that. Well, I think it's re- it's reached a a point where now it's it's um it's not just talking about people being, you know, we've got some couch potatoes around, but it's reached a point where it's it's gotten very serious. Mm. And it's probably not getting any better. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you think about it, you know, everything that we're, we're bombarded with, whether it's on TV or, you know, or, or the Internet or something like that, it's it yeah. really, it's all centers around, or most of it anyway, centers right. around sitting on your butt doing stuff, whether you're on the computer or you're doing the playing video games or you're doing virtual reality or, or, you know, whatever. Um, I, I want to talk to you, not just you super Don, but you're here with yeah. me. So we're, we're going to talk about this okay. uh, new year's resolutions coming up, right? A lot mm-hmm. of people that say, I'm going to start fresh in January. Okay. Whenever I, I think there's no time like today, but there are a lot of things that get in the way. You know, I, I think it's somewhat of a legitimate excuse. I don't mean to make excuses for excuses, but Dude, all the stuff you were doing to get ready for your daughter's wedding, mm-hmm. that's an unusual life event that I can go, I, I get that. I'm like, I can't deal with this now. I've got this, <laughs> right? Yeah, now we're, you know, now we're getting through Christmas, way. you know, and all yeah. that, everything's They're, involved in that. Because it's not just like, it's not like my wife and I just hang around and, and you know, toast each other and right. Merry Christmas, you know, yeah, exactly. like that. it's, it's an event. Yeah. But when we are striving to set up new patterns in our life, whether it be to eat better, eat cleaner or exercise in the case of the sedentary thing. The, the risk of course, is it's, it's so easy to fall back into the pattern and go, Oh, well, this has now occurred. And now I have to postpone the thing I was going to do because, and of course, how many times have we been through that? And it's very easy to go, well, that's another legitimate excuse and another legitimate excuse. Again, I'm not speaking to anyone here, not even super Don, I'm just talking in general, like even in my experience, like if I want to start something anew, you almost have to wall yourself off from the inevitable life things that are going to happen that, that got in the way before that are going to be like, well, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, I better do that. And, and, and then you, you, you really have to kind of create uh, an accountability. Now, if you have a partner in life to help and you're, you're both on board, you look at, out for each other in that regard, that's great. But sometimes, you, you know, the techniques are, can you find somebody that can be the person in, that keeps you in check, right? And I think about the things that we do together on radio or in media, you know, if I go off one level to deep end, you're always here to call me back and I have no concern, you know, going too far because I know Super Don will reel me back in, right? 
or even the case of my wife, you know, I always say this, if, if, if I'm going bonkers in a certain direction, you make sure you let me know and here's our signal. Uh, so I just thinking about consciously setting up, you know, that new pattern, realizing that life is going to continue to happen. We're going to be confronted by things in the past. We said, well, we let that one get in the way because that was really important. And then another thing, and, and by the time you're through with February, you're like, we never really did get started, did we? Because that got, and that happened, that happened. We look at it and we say, well, we're justified because look at all that happened. At a certain point, the commitment we make, I believe life meets us there. If we're serious, sincere, honest, you know, all of the heart-centered focus, like I, I, this is, I really value this so much that I am not going to let these things interfere. Now, granted, you know, a child gets hurt. You got, I'm not talking about those things, but the everyday stuff that we all deal with that comes in and we can go, well, I would have done it, but this happened. I'm just throwing it out there as things, as strategies to consider for a lot of the audience that may be considering doing new things starting January 1. That would be a, uh, I mean, we're, we're running out of show here, but that would be, you know, to, we, we ought to get somebody on that specializes kind of in that thing about, about uh, how to, how to, how to uh, successfully uh, achieve the goal a of pattern, right? a, uh, a new year's resolution and be successful yeah. at it because you know they, listen we we've we, everybody's heard about it um mm -hmm. at this point you know where yeah. the majority of people that set a, a new year's resolution uh fail you know, like you know a week into the new year mm -hmm. you know is it, it, the the uh the gyms and the fitness centers love new years right they love it because you get you know a million people go out and then they they they, they pay for, they they sign up for these memberships of the gym and stuff like that and they go for like three weeks and then they pay for it for the rest of the year and yeah. never go. Mm -hmm. That is like a common thing and it's just you know it doesn't even matter if, uh, what the the New Year's resolution. I'm going to quit smoking. Yeah. Well, yeah, you you quit smoking for a week and then you're smoking a week you know two weeks into the the year. But you succeeded. And it took a long time too. In that specific example, yeah, I, um, I, yeah, I smoked for several years, and then, uh, and then I switched over to vaping. Mm -hmm. And honestly, vaping's not a whole lot better than, but it's it is better. Mm -hmm. um, and then I just quit cold turkey on the on the vaping side of things. I just finally got to a point. I was just like, why am I doing this? You know, it's mm -hmm. not like I enjoy this, um, and so I just quit. It's not an easy thing to do, right? Um, but yeah, I did. So now, now it's going to be cleaning up the diet and uh, getting active, which, you know, it's just, I'm not getting any younger mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm starting to have aches and pains that I didn't used to have before. Just kind of right. like, all right, I need to do something here before this gets out of hand. So. Yeah. Well, as I said, setting yourself up for success. Uh, and that means being conscious you know, and if you're doing this together, if you're a married couple or, you know, you have a lifelong friend, you know, I, I back back when I was still living in Georgia, you know, one of my high school buddies, we would commit to meet each other at the gym to kind of motivate and do stuff. And, you know, those things really do help. Uh, if you are disciplined enough to do it on your own, great. I mean, look, for me, uh, I wish my wife could go to the kickboxing gym with me. She's not there yet. She would like to, you know, and, and, you know, one day I, I, I still have visualized that that will happen. Um, but at the same time, I still have to take care of myself, uh, it, you know, in a way that facilitates the strength I need to do what I do. We do and all of us. And I, I think for me, that level of discipline isn't even hard. I've talked about going to the gym. You know, I think about, 
some people will have them, maybe more people than not will go, oh, I got to go to the gym, right? For me, I'm like, I'm excited to get in there and and be able to function and do these things. For me, it's genuinely exciting. Like, what will I learn today? What will I be able to do today? And I'm like, I have accomplished something. Uh, so my attitude obviously shifted. Now, I do remember when I was an uh, athlete in high school and college, swimming. It was very hard to get up, you know, in the two-a-days, we'd get up and we'd start, you know, in the pool, like at six in the morning. And like that first dive into the pool was like just brutal. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. But that's an extreme example for the the kind of exercise that I would encourage folks to consider is not necessarily even kickboxing, but as little as, you know, walking the neighborhood. Or if you can't do it outdoors in the winter, finding a place like, you know, the Y or whatever and getting on something that creates movement not to the point of a uh, brutal, uh, let's say pain. I'm sore this week because I wasn't working out like this for the first couple of weeks with my travel schedule. But I also went in consciously to go, I'm not going to give it 110%. You know, I'm going to make at 70%. So when I did the challenge of the week this week, Super Don, you'll be proud of me. It was, uh, uh, you know, using one of those big heavy bags. It's down on the ground on its side. You go down and do a full push up, uh, And I think it was... Oh yeah. Then two knee drives into the bag and then up and jump. Like it's a, a burpee in three minutes. Now I know I could do more than I did. I did 40 and I didn't win the chow. I don't know what I expect to, but uh, I was like, I'm thinking ahead. I've had enough experience that if I come back off of two weeks and not doing it and I do that, I'm going to, the rest of the week, I'm going to be going, <laughs> and so the soreness I experienced was reasonable. It was like a good kind of sore as opposed to a debilitating kind of sore. But that comes with experience too. And and just like anybody that may be starting an exercise regimen, if that's part of the, the new year, please take your time. Don't go all in, right? And, you know, Super D, we were talking about that a little bit as well. The idea of how to start so you're not discouraged the moment you start. You're so sore the next day you don't go and then you don't go the next yes. day. You don't go the next yeah, I've been done that more than once. Mm-hmm. So. By the way, did you know? You know how they uh, the name Burpee came 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 about? I I don't know. That's a good question. It was a dude named Burpee. Really? Yeah, that, that was named that after horrible exercise. That terrible exercise. Yeah, the guy's name last name was Burpee. Right. Yeah, I so, yeah, I read I, that the other day. I'm nervous about burpees because I remember last year on my birthday I was at the Lake Lanier Islands Resort with uh, the Tia Severino had the Next Steps Conference. It was the second one. We're going to do the third one this year. And, uh, I was, uh, uh, you know, if I was at the gym, they make you do birthday burpees at the kickboxing gym. So, uh, I would have birthday to do burpees. That's just fun yeah. to say one for every year. They make you do them like, dude, it's pe- it's penalizing you for living long. So, uh, last year with at that time it was 57. So I set the, uh, the music on, and I think it was like thunderstruck by ACDC or something really that will like, right. Get you going. And I was able to do 57 burpees before the song ended. So I think the song was four and a half minutes, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, but, you know, I'm like nervous because like I got to do 58 now uh, coming up, you know, next year, early next year. But anyway, just think about that as a goal if you want. You don't have to, but. Royal H. Burpee. Royal H. Burpee, huh? Invented the uh, the most despised uh, exercise known to man. Mm. Yes. All right. I have a question from Carol. I see coming in the chat room. Uh, would copper and selenium help my mitral mitral regurgitation? So we're talking mitral valve in the heart uh, not functioning properly. Now I've talked about both copper and selenium being critical for the protection of the cardiac proteins, the integrity, the structural integrity, which leads to, of course, function. 
So I would say that uh, copper and selenium would play a huge, important role in addressing that, not quote unquote, treating the disease because it's a dysfunction due to a lot of nutrient deficiencies or others might say, oh, it's genetic. I would argue uh, mineral deficiencies in this case. And so, yeah, copper and selenium would be a big part of it. I would also be doing the hawthorn berry syrup that we get from Jonathan at choosetobehealthy.com. Use the discount code RSB5 uh, to get a little discount when you check out. And he's got the copper as well, and he's got the selenium, the whole food form. Also consider the cardio miracle. All of these things that nourish the vascular system, including the nitric oxide production, uh, those are some things I would consider. You can use homeopathic um, hawthorn berry syrup or hawthorn berry. It's crataegus. I think we did that. Did we do crataegus, you think, one of the homeopathic hits of the day? Crataegus? Mm, we may have. Yeah, it sounds, I mean, it's hard. We've covered what, between Where 15 and 60 now? 29. Da, 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 yeah. Let's see. Crataegus. Cantharis. Causticum. Are you looking at it alphabetically? Not really. Oh. It's it's just it's just a random list. There's really no no rhyme or reason yeah, we, to we, it. We didn't go alphabetical. We just went random, which I think is more fun actually, because yeah. I get surprised every day. I don't know what it's going to be till I start you know looking at it. I'm like, oh okay. Pulsatilla right. now. So we've got three yeah. left on 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 this this section here, and yeah. then I've got a whole nother section. But yeah, uh, we I don't think we've done Curtagus. I don't okay. see it. All right. Well, maybe that's something to look forward to. All right. Let's see what else we got. Uh, all right. So we got the pandemic. Or I think there was another or... question. Hold on. There was. I think there was. Let me see. Uh, oh no, there wasn't. But uh, Mark Spicer stopped by and said hello. Oh, hey, Mark. Hi, buddy. Always appreciate you hearing from you, seeing you. Good appreciate afternoon. Your support of the show. Yes. Thank you, Mark. We appreciate you so very much. And hopefully, you can join us at the next AMA on december 30th a saturday noon eastern 9 a.m pacific uh yes this, steve says the homeopathic hits are sorted by random order yes <laughs> that's how do you that's not sorting <laughs> we sort in random not randomity it's kind of like when somebody comes into your office and they clean your office yeah and they just completely disrupt your 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 system even if it was random which really had no, yeah, there was no system, but you knew where, where everything was. Right. All right. Let's talk about sick shaming, shall we? Sure. I have never heard of sick shaming. Maybe I'm just living a sheltered life, but apparently well, there's a video playing on this thing. Is that from me or for you? That's from you. Okay. Let's see. Should be muted, but anyway, it just popped up in that page at Time Magazine or whatever. It says, sick shaming at office leads to overuse of cold medicine among U.S. workers. So, uh, you know, I, I would rather have them overuse homeopathic remedies for colds and flu because they couldn't be hurt by it. The overuse of these OTCs can lead to death. So it is a serious issue. The question is, is it somebody picking on somebody? It's like, oh, why little Johnny or big Johnny? You're always sick. What's wrong with you? Oh, I'll just kind of chow some more over-the-counter medicines to do that. I mean, it's not a smart response to it, especially since we have safe ways to address some of these things and even prevent some of these things. Why does this thing they just keep throwing up Time Magazine videos? Pop, pop up. Yeah. Got to love those. Uh, but All right. So sick shaming. Yeah. So basically, what it what is sick shaming? Um, somebody comes to work, and uh, uh, or you know, a social gathering of some sort, 
and they have mild symptoms like a cold or mm-hmm. something. And yeah. people uh, are not excited about that. Now, where, let, let's think about this. Where do you think that came from? Sick shaming? Yeah. Well, I think it was made a lot worse in COVID, right? Exactly. Because remember, it, it wasn't like if you sneezed in, a, in an office that everybody looked at you like you're an invasion of the body snatchers or something. Mm-hmm. That really came about, you know, because people now were afraid to cough because if you coughed in public, you were going to kill everybody. Right? Everybody freak out. And like, what, oh my God. what that was, huh? So, so this may be more a recent phenomenon to your point. Um, yeah. As far as that goes. I remember, I don't know why this is popping into my head, but I, I when I went to my dad's funeral, mm-hmm. there were relatives of mine that I hadn't seen for a really long time. One of them was yeah. my cousin. Yeah. And uh, I was kind of excited, you know, just yeah. kind of like, oh, there's my cousin. Right. So I ran over. I did my thing like, hey, how's it going? You know? Yeah. And he had his arms folded. And he's like, and wow. I'm like, what? And then I'm like, oh, that's right. It's COVID. All right. I'm just like, afraid of touching. Okay, dude. Yeah. Yeah, Hey, how's it going? And that really, it disappointed me. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's a lot of people that feel that way that if you, you, uh, you know, offered, especially during then, they live in fear. Go shake somebody's hand. Everybody'd look at you like, you know, you just, just tried to kill somebody. Right. You know, you're you're a weirdo or murder by cordiality and handshakes. When uh, my dad, when, when my dad's funeral, uh, my daughter was little and uh, had chicken pox. And, you know, we went to a, my dad's funeral. And, like, some of the, the the relatives on my dad's side were freaking out. Like, I can't, how dare you bring your daughter here with chicken pox? Like, it's, it's freaking chicken pox, dude. Like, you know, people are so afraid. Uh, just like I said, I talked earlier about the fear of death is like a, is actually a fear of living. Right. And, you know, big pharma is the cult that has got you. And, you know, the, it's a psyop that runs so deep that as, you know, our friend Lori says, her son thinks she's in a, a cult in a because cult. she's not in a cult because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't follow, you know, the whims no. of doctors and all of that. So COVID, uh, COVID really changed a lot of things for, for us in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, I would assume other places too, but you know, as far as yeah. society goes, um, the new normal, right. You know, that yeah. they like to talk about and, it's an interesting statistic here that in this this uh, article on time, mm-hmm. they point out how the sales of upper respiratory over-the-counter medications in the U.S. rose 23% yeah. to $11.8 billion in the 52 weeks through early December 2023 from the same period mm-hmm. back in 2019 before the pandemic. Wow. So what you did is it conditioned people, right, Yeah. to where you know they were nervous about have a sneezing. Right. Or, or having a sniffle or something like that. So they show up yeah. at work yeah, and they don't want to be shunned. They don't want to get in trouble. Who knows? Maybe their boss is a germaphobe. Right. Um, they don't want to get sent home. They want to be able to work. They want to be able to socialize. So what they're doing is they're running over to the store and buying Sudafed yeah. or whatever, Mucinex, uh, to, in order to mask those symptoms because they're afraid Which of what people are going to think. over time. What right. about allergies? I mean, you know, it's like an allergy. Do you ever think the allergies were contagious? No, but now the simple act of sneezing and sniffling, uh, people are freaking out. So sick shaming. What other shaming is there? I mean, what about fat shaming? Would that cause people to exercise at the office? <laughs> well, you know, um, there are some places that are forward thinking. 
yeah places where they put gyms and stuff like that into uh you know the the workplace which i Rather think is kind of cool big dispensaries yeah well yeah, yeah. a little just uh, a little <laughs> vending machine in the bow in the bathroom wall. right but, over, uh, the syringe just comes right out gets you yeah all right. In the end, in the end. All right, y'all. We got a little bit more time for the show here, and then we'll go into bonus round and talk about what's coming up as well. I do want to do a homeopathic hit before we go. Well, you can't yet. I can't? No. Why not? Because I'm not ready. Are you going to homeopathic shame me? <laughs> All right. Ready, go. Playing all of the homeopathic hits every day, right here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. This homeopathic hit is it's really an interesting one. It's pulsatilla. Some say pulsatia, but uh, I'm not uh, standing on uh, Latin uh, pronunciations, however you want to do it. Say thanks to Trinity School of Natural Health, Folium PX, as well as Nutritional Frontiers for their support of the Robert Scott Bell Show so we can bring these homeopathic hits to you. Pulsatilla, why is this an interesting one? I mean, they're all interesting. I acknowledge that. And then you can see the flower. It's beautiful little cute little flower. Super Don got uh, the pulsatilla flower. We'll learn a, a little bit about the origination of this homeopathic remedy. Uh, it, and, and the headline reads, the remedy for changeable symptoms and emotional sensitivity. Now, that's broad and vague, isn't it? It is because pulsatilla is a difficult one to pin down. If you look in the Materia Medica under pulsatilla, you will see and it's not like other remedies don't have a lot of things, but this one has a lot of indications and a lot of things that seemingly are unrelated too. So it can go here, it can go here, it can go here, it can go here. So pulsatilla is one of those ones you're going to have to read a little uh, deeper into to see if it fits for you. So we'll do the best we can here in the five-minute homeopathic hit. And uh, it's a downloadable PDF document. Uh, this pulsatilla is a homeopathic remedy often indicated or used for conditions with changeable symptoms in individuals with a gentle emotional temperament. So let's explore a little bit about pulsatilla. Now, where does it come from? Pulsatilla nigricans or pasque flower, P-A-S-Q-U-E flower. In homeopathy, it's used in a highly dilute form, focusing on its potential to treat a variety of conditions, particularly those involving the mucous membranes and the reproductive system. So we've already shifted from the title to, oh, it does that too and that too. Yeah. One of those remedies you're going to have to study up on physical characteristics. It's known for its effectiveness in treating conditions with changeable symptoms, such as fluctuating moods, inconsistent menstrual cycles, and shifting pains. It's also indicated in cases of colds with thick yellowish discharge, digestive issues with a preference for fresh air, for instance. Like, well, man, there's a lot we're throwing out at you already. Mentally, key symptoms may include uh, gentle yet uh, yielding temperament tendency towards fearfulness or I'm sorry, tearfulness and a need for comfort and reassurance. So if we come back into some of the primary uses, you're going to see another expansion, some of it repetitive, but particularly effective in these changeable situations, conditions with varying symptoms, such as menstrual irregularities and mood swings. So sometimes it's hard to pinpoint. Is that pulsatilla kind of move from that to something else? Well, that could indicate pulsatilla. Respiratory conditions, cold, sinus issues, thick, non-irritating discharge, not as corrosive as some. Digestive issues, uh, discomforts, including and especially when symptoms improve with fresh air. It's interesting. Observation with pulsatilla. So we go further into this and we begin to look at, I wonder what other remedies 
might be indicated, might be related. Now, we always mention the potencies, and I'll kind of skip real quick to that. Low potencies, self-help, repetitive dosing, easy enough, no concern. If you're going for the really high potencies, 200C, 12, uh, you know, M potencies, LM potencies, I tend to, you know, let somebody guide you to that, a homeopath or something. But you can do well even with the lower potencies on your own. So here are some complimentary suggestions. And I could have thrown out a lot more than this, but here, because of the wide variety of things pulsatilla can do, we're going to go through silicea. One of the remedies I think we have covered, that's homeopathic silica, often used with pulsatilla for conditions with a lack of vitality and slow recovery. So you begin to start seeing relationships and go, does that fit or not? And if not, maybe silicea is not the one to use with it. But how about nux vomica? Pulsatilla showed digestive issues were present, especially when there's a contrast between the emotional sensitivity of pulsatilla and the irritability of Nux Vomica. You go into the emotion, you see, oh, it's a movement, it's a change, it's a shift, could be a compliment. And then I went, all right, I could have gone a, a number of places with uh, Pulsatilla. And I said, you know what? We got a lot of ladies in the audience and menstrual issues are unfortunately not so lovely. A lot of them pain and other things. So I come back to the semisifuga racemosa, some know it as actia racemosa, as an adjunct to pulsatilla's impact on menstrual abnormality. So again, these are just a few suggestions. There are others you can go with, but hopefully this is helpful to you. Remember, this PDF is downloadable for free, thanks to Super Don's efforts, uh, every day in the show notes when we do a live show today, December 20th, uh, 2023. Cautions? Well, as a homeopathic remedy, pulsatilla is not dangerous. But if you're dealing with really serious, uh, not self-limiting things, you might want to consult with a healthcare provider that can help you, hopefully holistically. So as I conclude, Pulsatilla, it's a valuable, as they are, all are in their right moments, homeopathic remedy, particularly for treating conditions with changeable symptoms and in individuals with a sensitive, emotional temperament. And if you would, please keep tuning in to the Robert Scott Show for more insightful explorations into these homeopathic remedies with our homeopathic hit segments. Remember, it's not to replace a doctor if you have or want one, but to provide insight, information, education, so you can make more fully informed decision about the care of yourself, your family, your loved ones, your kids. And that's, I think, a birthright. Once again, shout out to Trinity School of Natural Health, trinityschool.org, Folium Products, foliumpx.com, nutritionalfrontiers.com as well for supporting our ability to bring these insights to you. 2024, we might be doing detox dialogues on top of homeopathic hits. Thanks for being here. Bonus round next. The power to heal is yours. Hey, bonus round. Time for the dogs to bark. I guess. Hmm. <laughs> well, at least it was in bonus time. Yeah, all right. Good timing on that. It is a bonus round. Anything goes here. You got guys got questions, comments in the chat room. I don't know. We got people listening on. Uh, I saw a comment from something called K. Is that kick earlier? Yes, that was a spam oh, okay. um, kind of. You know, I don't really have much going on with kicks so i could always open that up and i think i'm gonna have to anyway yeah because uh i know we got to work out a few more details but sure. we will looks like we may end up being on amp news here uh soon right i wanted to talk to you more about those details yeah uh, what it entails or whatever so i can be clear about it so we can right. make a move into the new year with even more uh outreach which is yep. great here we grow again that would be a white snake song. <laughs> Is it really here we grow again? No, it's here I go again. That's what I thought. Yeah. 
<laughs> playing it out a little that was like pulsatilla it's a little of this did you like that. white snake yes, they're an interesting group yeah um they were they were a, a blues a blues type band at first yeah and then they kind of adjusted their sound to more of an 80s hair band kind of a rock sound mm -hmm. but you know that song um here i go again on my own that they're right. famous for one of yeah. them uh, if you listen to the original version of that, right. it's very weird. <laughs> it is. It's just, it's, it's got a whole different kind of a feel and stuff like that. And then, uh, somebody, I, I don't, I don't remember all the full details of it, but there was somebody that, that was working with them or something like that and said, Hey, you know, let's, let's change, change this here and let's put this guitar solo in here and stuff like that. And then it became the one that we're familiar with now. Hmm. But there, I remember one time I was listening to the radio and I could hear the beginning of the song and I'm like, oh yeah, it's a great song. I like that song. And then it started playing and I'm just like, what is this? Mm -hmm. this, is, this is actually absolutely bizarre. It's, you know, the same thing with uh, Huey Lewis and the News. Did you know that? What? They, 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 they actually, the original name of that band was Clover. Okay. And they were a very 70s long hair, you know, hairy chest, you know, kind of thing going on. You know, and then uh, the 80s came along mm -hmm. and they were like, oh, wait a minute here. Because, you know, they hadn't gone any, anywhere really with what they were right. doing. They were a San Francisco and, Bay Area band. Oh, yeah. Lot, one of my favorite bands of all time. Yeah. Uh, and suddenly they got all clean cut with the, you know, the suits and the stuff like that. And they, they did the kind of an 80s sound and became, you know, megastars. Right. It's fun to talk, think about that kind of stuff. It is. I, yep. I enjoy it. I do. All right, let's look at what we got. In fact, in my wedding, uh -huh. uh, the the uh, recession song at the end of the ceremony going out of the thing was The Power of Love by Huey Lewis in the News. At your wedding? Yes. That's so cool. Yep. <laughs> Didn't want to do anything. It was all formal and stuff, you know, so we right. did that. It was fun. Oh, I anyway. Like it. Yeah. All right, let's see what we got here. Uh, how many more broadcasts in 2023 that we're going to do live? We got one tomorrow with Dr. Carolyn Dean and Jonathan E. Moore. Um, next week, looks like we got Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We got three more. So we got technically four more live shows of the new year, of the old year. <laughs> and then we'll crank it up again. Uh, are we going to go live on Tuesday, the 2nd of January? I don't know. Uh, yeah, we probably will. Yeah, I would hate to have to reschedule Nutritional Frontiers again. Okay, well, as long as they're up for it, I'm up for it. It's fine. I'll double check with them. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't see a problem with that. Okay. I don't do anything on New Year's Eve. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't have to worry about, uh, oh, I didn't get enough sleep because I'm I'm lucky if I can stay up late enough to watch the ball drop. Black-eyed peas and collard greens coming up. Something. So, what did you say? One, two, three... And I guess what are you counting uh, Sunday conversation? No, I was saying live shows because you know. Oh, okay, because January first will be. So we got tomorrow, and we got uh, looks like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday next week, live shows. Oh, in the new year or the right. old year? Before okay, gotcha. Year, right, yeah. I got gotcha. you. So now, yeah. where are we? Are we off on January first? Uh, yes, New Year's Day is a holiday, so that's a Monday. So that will be a, an okay. encore day. I need to put that on the calendar. Right. Right. Looks like on my calendar, I have, um, depending on what zone you're in, it says indoors, plant parsley, onion, leeks, and celery. So for the greenhouses on January 1st. 
Got my buddy Brad Zalos from Liquid Leadership coming on Wednesday the 3rd. I'm looking at already ahead. We've got some... I think the race is on. I wonder if we can get to 2,000 guests by the end of uh, next year. That'll yeah. be interesting. That's a pretty big milestone, too, in addition to 25 years of broadcasting. I think so. Yeah. Maybe I need to commission my daughter to do a, a 25-year anniversary poster for the Robert Scott Bell Show. Because last one uh, was done 20 years Five years ago, Steve Feld did it. And I, I don't hear from Steve. He's a busy guy. I don't hear from him much anymore. He's out there. Occasionally he pops in. But uh Yeah, you know, I haven't talked to him in quite a while. Mr. Busy Pants. Steve Feld, he was the guy I used to talk to you about computers. Right. Yeah. He actually built a computer for my he son. Did. He did. One of the and and, and actually one of the computers, the, the second computer that I use uh for the show here built for is, us, is yeah. that one that he Yeah. So he's part of the show, whether he likes it or not. Yep. I think he likes it, but <laughs> yes, sir. All right. So what do we got going on here over on rumble? Uh, let's see. Da, da, da. We got some stuff from Steven DJ Pat D DJ Pat D what's DJ Pat doing. Is that, uh, I wonder if that's Mark. Anyway, suggestion, reverse the camera angle, Don. <laughs> it looks like you're talking to the computer rather than Robert. The problem is if I did that, then everything in the background would be backwards. Right. So I can't well, do that. Can you do that? Wait, wait, reverse your camera. Can you do that on? See what it yeah, looks like? I can do it. It's just, it would be weird, but hold on. Everything would be like looking at the mirror. It's backwards. Yeah. Let's see what I mean, happens let's, then. Let's see. All right, fine. Let's see what happens. All right. Video settings. There. There. See, now I'm looking at you. I know, but the but my sign starts off with no. <laughs> no. No et, et Ria. Ria. <laughs> That's funny. But it's there, no see longer. how fast you can deliver uh, to the audience? Well, yeah. It, it does look kind of weird, though. Well, it's not what we're used to. I mean, I don't know how I would correct that situation, but well, I think what we need to do is reverse, all, take pictures of everything up there, print it out in reverse, and then put it up there and as a virtual right background. Around. There you yeah. go. Yeah, it'll be a right way around. Yeah, I don't like this. No, <laughs> no, sorry, but I, I gave we, it a shot. We do it differently. I like talking to the back of his head. Apparently. You know, talk, the thing is, you're not talking to the back of me. It's not like this is like the Brady Bunch opening, you know, frame where we're like, you know, uh, we're looking at each other. I grew literally. up on the Brady Bunch. It is. I do Brady the side Bunch. profile thing. That's just what I do. It's your signature. It's it's uh, it's it's a tribute to the uh, Alfred Hitchcock uh, thing, right? Right. The side profile. Anyway. You know, I could do it if I, you know, if, if there wasn't stuff in the background, but I, I don't want all that to be uh, backwards. Okay, so here's here's uh, a Steve's suggestion. Mm. Do this. But now I have to look this way. Am I looking well, at Well, yeah, the problem is, though, that, it, you know, instinctively, I want to put you here because you're the host and you should be like, from, you know, left to right, you should be first and I should right. be second as the co-host. I think they can use virtual reality machines to just do whatever you guys want to do, and we'll just do it our way. <laughs> I mean, we could do that. 
a little super don and i can do like that thing like, i'm squishing you i'm squishing, squishing you <laughs> <laughs> so cute <laughs> oh man okay right. having too much fun so yes. yeah so i i did an interview uh yesterday with sally saxon remember we had her on a, a month or two ago she's cool yeah and uh covered a lot of things you know when people interview me it just goes places because I'm not usually interviewing myself. You know, I allow myself a little indulgence every monologue chance I get, share about some things. But it's it's different when people are prompting you. They're asking you questions. So I don't know when Sally's show airs, uh, but by all means, take a look, take a listen. You'll learn some stuff. Because I'm even, when I'm done, I look at my wife, I'm like, oh man, I forgot I knew that. <laughs> you know, stuff just comes flowing out when people ask me questions about a lot of different things. So if you enjoy that, uh, you know, the different interviews that Charles Froman did an interview with me, right, on his his show. Hopefully mm-hmm. we'll be able to do some more. And uh, the things I'm doing with Jonathan Otto on his, his docuseries as well. There you go. That's another interesting look. See, would that work or not for the uh, uh, Instagram thing, right? Because it's only the center. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. No. See, now there's a way that I, I'm still trying to figure out how to, how to make that work. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like this either. Uh, because the holiday backdrop that you made, that um, was kind of cool. Yeah. I, let me see here. Let me open up the backgrounds. Um, default graphics and ho, ho, ho. There we go. Yeah. That's a fun one. There's actually like several that. here. There's that there's that's tinsel right there. Okay. There's uh. It kind of looks like arrowheads to me, it looks but like it's spears to me. Yeah, spear one. tips. Yeah. There spear you go. Tips. I we're, hunt, like the first we're hunting for elves. I like the first one you put up. Um, there's oh, that. Yeah. This one here would work. You're except hiding the snowman, though. You're co- it, You're covering the snowman. And then, eh, right, I like the, the first one. I think that you know, this one has a. That's covering everything up. Yeah. No, you just need a pattern. That's covering everything up. So I mean, these are all like the ones that Restream provides. Yeah. This this one here, is I the think one that, that one works, works the best. best. Yeah. yeah, for a holiday kind of theme, snowflakes, because we are just a couple of snowflakes melting at the least controversial thing ever. Are we? Like sick speak, shaming. Speak for yourself. <laughs> all right. So, okay. Well, I don't see anything as far as uh, questions or anything like that. Okay. Well, if y'all um, are done, that's okay. We don't hang out just to hang out, but we we enjoy being together and letting loose. But this time, the bonus round is really uh, footloose and fancy free, whatever you want to cover. If I have questions or, or if we talk about upcoming things. And uh, we do have the Zoom AMA for our patron supporters. If you're not one yet, please consider being part of it, helping us out to do the things we need, including uh, an intern for Super Don specifically maybe to, you know, take out little video snippets like the homeopathic hits uh, that, uh, you know, every intern so far that we've had, some have ended up actually getting paid and in, ended up in a field of their desire. They wanted to get into this and they learned a lot and were able to go in and, and make a lucrative career out of it. So consider that if anybody would like uh, to help help us out. Super Don is, you know, specifically on some tasks that will get him back to the creative genius that I believe he is because he, he brings it, man. Like the yesterday that uh, Al Gore thing was just, man, I missed that. That was so great. 
<laughs> yeah, I impressed myself on that. And those are, those are not sometimes that you know you just you have one and it's just like exceptional, and that was one mm-hmm. of them. Um, so, but you know they take a little bit of work, but it's it's fun. It's I, I love the creative side of things. I do. Hmm. All right. Well, I guess that's that. All right. Well, we'll be we back tomorrow. God willing, we'll be back less than 22 hours from now with uh, Jonathan E. Morton and Dr. Carolyn Dean. We haven't had on in a while. It's fun to catch up with Dr. Dean. All right. So I haven't done this in a while, so I, I thought maybe I would end the show today with a a, uh, a a dad joke. Okay. All right. You ready? All right. All right. What side of a turkey has the most feathers? What sign of a turkey? What the What side of okay. a turkey has, has the, the most, most feathers. feathers. I don't know. The outside. <laughs> that is a dad joke. <laughs>